Joining us now from the Deseret News, Jay Drew. Jay, give us the lowdown on the starting quarterback for BYU. And if you tell us it's Jaron Hall, I'm going to think you're going to be a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice setup, PK. Uh, yeah, that's what all indications, everything's pointing to. Um, obviously, they're trying to, you know, keep it, keep it mum or, or – uh, keep it under the vest, whatever the cliche is. But, uh, yeah, I I think uh, right now all signs are pointing to him as the starter. How big of a gap do you think it is between him and what I think is Baylor Romney with the idea that Conover, they can't afford to put him in right now uh, given the schedule that they got because he hasn't played football in a good while. I don't know what class he's in. I guess he's still a freshman, but he literally has no playing experience. I don't think he got in any games last year. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, I mean, he hasn't anything meaningful, whereas Romney has. So how far do you think the gap is between those two? I think it's very, very um, minuscule. I think if it was a bigger gap, you'd, uh, uh, you, we'd probably, uh, they'd probably say, hey, this is how it is, you know, it's, it's over. I don't think Aaron Roderick is really into playing games maybe as much as as uh, you know, coaches he's worked under in the past. I, I think when he knows who his guy is, I think he's going to go ahead and share it. So, um, so having said that, I, I think it's I think it's still really close. I mean, Aaron came on uh, on the Zoom call with us after the scrimmage Saturday, and and he said, you know, it's uh, there's not a lot of separation between these guys. Um, but uh, but I think he also knows the value of of getting a guy, naming a guy, having all the teammates kind of get it into their heads that this is the guy and kind of roll from there. And so I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this week, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, the J. Drew of Desert News joining us this morning. I think you're exactly right on that regard as far as what Aaron Roderick is much more of a straight shooter and doesn't really like to play games. He, if he wants to extend it, because that means there's a reason that he wants to extend it, and it's not, well, we're going to trick the media and worry about the, so the Arizona coach, Fish, doesn't know who the starting quarterback is. Arizona's got plenty of issues that they need to worry about rather than worry about who's the starting quarterback at BYU. Uh, obviously, and Aaron Roderick isn't going to play those games. And I'm not sure Kalani's going to do that either because if I can remember back, and you would obviously know this, when it was Taysom Hill and Tanner Mangum, they made an announcement. They didn't uh, wait until we trotted out the first game at that point. They did make that announcement and say who it was. Interestingly enough, I think that was the Arizona game that was the first game too, wasn't it? If I remember, maybe my, maybe my timing is off a little bit. But they played. Yeah, I yeah I think so. And then I specifically remember uh, um, driving to a prep game where they announced Tanner Mangum over uh, Zach Wilson, uh, and then obviously Zach took over midseason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they generally will announce uh, a week to two weeks before before uh, you know the first kickoff. So that's what I expect them to do this year. But. Uh, yeah, I don't think they'll go and have us sitting in Las Vegas, you know, watching to see who runs out to take the first nap. I think it'll be announced, you know, before then. And I think that you're right in that it is a fairly close competition, and I feel that I feel like they think that they have confidence in Romney. So he's been around the program. Seems like he's been around the program for several years. And with that in mind, since it is a somewhat of a close competition, and the fact that Jaron Hall has injury issues. 
My guess here, I don't have any particular insight, but my guess is Romney stays put because there's opportunities to transfer and all that stuff. And so, but I would think he would stay put knowing that probably a decent chance at some point he gets out on the field this season. Yeah, I had a nice conversation over the winter with, with Baylor Romney. He he basically told me, hey, I'm here to stay. I'm, I'm, uh, he said, you don't need to write that, that I might transfer if I don't get the job. His, his wife's in uh, physician's assistant school down here in Provo, um, and uh, she's obviously a former BYU athlete. Um, this is his fourth year, so I'm, you know, he's uh, he's close to graduating. So I would be stunned if Baylor Romney, if he gets the job, or even if he doesn't, even if he's third string, uh, if he transferred. So he's here to stay. I can't say that about the other two. I haven't had that conversation with them. But uh, but but I I think I think Baylor Romney is kind of the security blanket, and I think coaches know that he's he's a safe guy. He's he takes care of the football. He's pretty poised in the pocket. He's not flashy. He doesn't have the ceiling, the upside that Jaron Hall or Jacob Conover has. You, you know, you you kind of know what you're getting with him. But but he's kind of that uh, that safe guy that you know you always have kind of in your back pocket if you need him. All right, Jay. Jay Drew with D-News joining us. This doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to say it anyway, and it won't be the first, and certainly won't be the last time I say something on the radio that doesn't make sense. But as I look at BYU's offense, can I argue that they're better than they were last year, knowing that the quarterback is the most significant player out on the field, let alone the offense? So you take Zach Wilson out of the equation, which is impossible to do, but follow along my line of thinking. I'm trying to gauge the quality of the offense around the quarterback. Can I argue, aside from the quarterback, make an argument that the offense is better than last year, even though it's ridiculous to make that argument? Uh, you know, I, 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 don't really, I don't really agree with that. I just think, I mean, Dax Milne was a 1,000-yard receiver. He's gone. Um, Brady Christensen was that uh, blindside, you know, protector. He's gone. Four or five other offensive linemen are gone. Um, they did add the Nakua brothers, which is a huge upgrade, but there's kind of questions regarding uh, if they'll be totally healthy from day one, um, the Puka and Samson Nakua. So I I don't see it. I just think uh, Zach Wilson was that good. I, I think it's a it's a pretty big drop off. Uh, and you and uh, you take Zach out of the equation, and I know they're really deep at receiver. I know they got two really good running backs and some really good tight ends that are all back. But uh, but I, I I just think that that drop off is is more significant than maybe some people want to believe. All right, how about that offensive line? Because on the surface, I was thinking that the running game would be better, but that you have some doubts? Uh, you know, I they've got some solid guys. They don't have a lot of depth at offensive line. Obviously, they got James MP back up at center. But, but uh, I mean, if these guys can fill in, um, they should be okay. you got guys like uh, Connor Pay, who's really young, a freshman, um, Freeland, uh, the tackles are Harris Lachance and Blake Freeland. And, you know, I don't think they're as good as Brady Christensen was. Um, so, you know, they'll probably improve over the offseason. I, I know the, the new offensive line coach, Daryl Funk, came in, and he's uh, been pretty happy with what he's found. He's expressed that to the media several times. But but uh, I'm, uh, I'm just a little skeptical 
of the offensive line. I just I just think there was a little bit too much turnover for them to, to kind of hit the ground running or pick up where they left off last year. Okay. All right. Well, you know more than I do, I think, about it. So I will take that opinion and run with it, which is so, you know somewhat kind of ironic since we're talking about the running game. Uh, I do think if the quarterback can be – he's not going to be Zach Wilson. I, I get that. But I do think the, the, uh, the passing game – and I realize they don't have Mill in. He was a draft choice, so it's a high standard. But I think I'm waiting for Romney's brother to really break out and be a thousand yarder. And and two, they've got at least two really, really good tight ends that could create some serious mismatches. So maybe not on paper, but the potential anyway, I think, is there to be at least have a decent offense to where you know, they can put up. 28 points a game off the top of my head. Yeah, I, oh, for sure. The, the, the potential is there, um, for sure. I, you know, I also, you know, I'm a big believer in Aaron Roderick. I think he'll, I think it's pretty obvious that he was more heavily involved last year in the play calling than, than most people thought, um, with Jeff Grimes obviously moving on to Baylor. But, but, uh, I, I do. I think, uh, the, everything is there. All the pieces are in place. But, uh, to be really good, but the the schedule is obviously you know ten times harder. Um, you think it's just so much more difficult this year than last, and uh, you put that factor in with a with a quarterback who's you know say it's Jaron Hall who has some experience but is also a little bit injury prone. Um, so I'm just saying things could go wrong quickly if uh, yeah. if, if they can't ha- be stout against some of these teams that they open the season with. Jay Drew of the D News joining us. One of the things I think you've done exceptionally well, pretty much as well as anybody or better than anybody, is dig around and find some information, whatever way that you can get that information. And we've got the season upon us here shortly, but the bigger issue is where do they stand in relation to potential movement as far as conferences go because obviously Texas and Oklahoma taking off here four years at the latest, probably sooner, and there's going to be some other stuff that's going to happen, I think, that we'd all agree there's some level of domino effect. Where do you think BYU stands with regard to that domino effect right now? Well, from everything I hear, BYU is being really cautious. They they don't want to jump into something and then have, you know, a year later everything change. Uh, the, the situation is so fluid. I, some of my people say don't count out the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Um, if BYU were to, were to maybe go to a conference, that might be a better choice than the Big 12 as presently constituted because I think BYU has some worry that these, the, the better Big 12 teams will be picked off by – either the ACC, the Pac-12, or the Big Ten, and leaving the Big 12 with with nothing more than, you know, the Midwest version of the Mountain West. So uh, I think that's kind of where they sit. So the only thing I would say was just don't don't rule out the American conference. They're, they've been far more friendly to BYU than uh, at the top than, than the uh, – than the Big 12 as far as uh, presidents of those schools and – and leadership of those conferences. So that's kind of the only yeah. maybe insider tip I could give you. Okay, how about this? And this is probably just speculation and talk, but the AAC 
not just adding BYU, but picking off some of the remaining Big 12 slash Big 8? Yeah, for sure. Um, that's I, From everything I hear, that's kind of where the battle is, is which which conference is going to, you know, uh, pick off the Big 12 teams first. You know, if the AAC does, they might their stature grows. They might get a better TV contract. The problem with, with them, though, is they have something like some like 12 year contract. Yeah. Uh, when all these other grant of rights uh, contracts are up, uh, like in 2024, 2025, the AACs goes to like 2032 or something mm. like that. So, so that's another factor you have to consider. The built bar thing last week, I thought that you know whether they you know, would they give the money to the kids, that's great. But I thought the bigger issue was genius in terms of getting well for built bar, getting their name out there big time, but also for BYU because it got a lot of run nationally, and the name BYU, which is already a somewhat of a household name in college sports, particularly with football, it just it sent a message that hey. We're going to play big time, and so we're. This is another little piece of evidence that we are big time football. So from that perspective, I thought it was just incredible. It was a the timing was great, and the execution of it all in terms of getting the most bang for your buck out there couldn't have been better. Yeah, I agree. It was a, it was it was a brilliant move. Um, it's kind of uh, the the latest in a lot of really good moves BYU has made. Uh, they, a lot of times you could accuse BYU in the past of maybe being, being too passive and kind of letting everything else to kind of dictate and then they follow along. But they've been really proactive, really out front of this whole uh, NIL movement, uh, player experience, um, all these different things, uh, getting the players more involved in what they want as far as their uniforms to look like and I'm just on down the line. So yeah, I would agree with you. They've got, uh, uh, they've had a kind of a attitude change, attitude adjustment or some switch where they're, they're all in. It's uh, you're, you're dead right on that there. And this is just the latest to show the country, you know, whoever's paying attention that, 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 you know, they're not just going to sit back and be content with maybe, you know, group of five status or kind of uh, second tier status. But they're going to they're going to try to play with the big boys as much as they can. Thanks for joining us. OK, guys. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. This is DJ and PK in the morning, of course, right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm neither DJ nor PK, but PK will be rejoining us shortly. I'm Jay Cash, the executive producer of this fine program. Hope you all are doing great here on a Tuesday morning. 
Like I mentioned, PK will be rejoining us here in just a little bit, but wanted to get to some interviews that he has done recently with some University of Utah football players. He had a great conversation with Clark Phillips, of course, a cornerback for the Utes, a guy who was trying to follow in the footsteps of Jalen Johnson, show up to Utah, be a star for two to three years, and then obviously move on to the NFL. Will that be the storyline for a guy like Clark Phillips? Only time will tell. But with, until then, let's let you hear from Clark Phillips speaking with PK one-on-one right here on the Zone Sports Network. Well, I mentioned about your, your recruiting status. Basically, why Utah when you could have gone to a perceived bigger school? Um, the coaching staff, the family feel, um, the players, what they've done in the past, the, the atmosphere. It was everything about this program that I felt really, really comfortable in, you know, committing to and, you know, being a part of. I really just wanted to be a part of something that was special. I wanted to be a part of something that was relentless, um, a team that was going to be competitive, and a team that really cared and that the coaching staff really loved us for who we are, and I get that feel every single day. How hard of it was the decision to make? It was really tough. It took a lot of prayer, um, my family guidance, my dad. You know, it was really, really tough, and I'm just, you know, so grateful that I made it. Um, and did it, did it come right down to the wire? It really did. It honestly did. And because, you know, that, that last two weeks before signing day, you know, we got the news that uh, the D coordinator and the Oak and the uh, DB coach at Ohio State was like, well, you know, I'm going to take a head coaching job. And so, okay, got to make the best decision for me. Meanwhile, I had already been talking to Coach Shaw and, you know, Coach Whittingham, and so it was already in the works, but they kind of put it in stone. And I'm just so grateful that it happened the way it did. So the Utes were close. Yeah. And then when the Ohio State decision came down, that obviously bolted the Utes. Most definitely. Yep. That's right. And how much of the history were you aware of? Because um, obviously this program has put a ton of things in the NFL. Most recently, as when you were a senior, they put everybody in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the tough thing. So because I was coming in early, that time period, the draft hadn't happened yet. The coaches were telling me, hey, we've got some guys that are going to go in this 19 draft that, you know, it's going to it's gonna open, it's going to shock, shock some, you know, guys. And so when I decommitted, everyone, all the fans at Ohio State were like, oh, dude, you know, what are you doing? And so I was able to kind of say, hey, look at that. You know, two weeks later when I signed, I was like, but I just had complete faith and that just speaks to the humility and, the, you know, the coaching staff because those guys could have, you know, said anything and, the fact that they said it and it ended up being true really, really, you know, showed me, okay, these guys, you know, are about their word and they're going to really develop like they say they are. So this is sort of a new thing with recruits to have interaction with fans of other schools because of social media. You know, you go back, what, 10, 15 years and that wasn't very possible. How was all that as you were going through that process? Because people had access to you where if you were 15 years ago, they wouldn't have had access to you what they do. Honestly, it's different. And like you said, it, like a couple of, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been this way. But um, it's a part of this era. And, you know, we kind of have to kind of live with it and kind of roll with it. I'm thankful for everything about it because um, it's definitely helped me mature being 16 and having, you know, fans come on my pictures <laughs> and say, hey, you should go this place. It's crazy. It sounds crazy, but it's the world we live in. And, and it was, uh, is it tough not to let it sway you? You just roll it yeah, off the back? Yeah, my, my parents, like I said, my parents, and, you know, I, you know, wisdom coming from my dad and my mom just telling me, hey, 
keep your head on straight, focus on one thing at a time. And sometimes my dad take my phone when I was in high school, hey, you need to focus on school. So now it's allowed me, now that I don't have as much of that guidance, you know, it's like, okay, I have periods of time, like in ball camera, you know, try to turn off my phone, you know, so I can sleep, certain things like that, that, you know, been really, really valuable. So the DBs have a reputation of going on the NFL from Utah, that's obvious, but also they have a reputation, and they recently developed one linebacker, but for a long time they've had one defensive line too, and everybody knows a great defensive line can make uh, defensive backs look really good. That's right. How much are you aware of that? Um, honestly, honestly, like when I when I was looking into Utah, that was something that stood out to me. I always looked at programs. Um, the only schools in my top five are you know, schools that had great D-lines. Um, I want to play behind a D-line that's going to get after that quarterback, throw it up so I can take the route. Yeah. You know, and so that was something that was big. And so seeing that with Utah and seeing how you know, Coach Shaw developed DBs, Coach Scali developed DBs, was like, okay, this is the program I want to be a part of. And so it was a lot easier. So during that time before the draft and before, uh, before the season started, well, before the draft left, you said you were here. You came early. Yeah. How much interaction did you have with those outgoing DBs who are now in the Jalen, I had, I, had, I had a good amount of interaction. It really was T. Burge. Um, I talked to him. I went to talk golf with him for an official visit. Um, I got to connect with them. Now, even like when Jalen came back before Cam came to my house, and we talked for a little while. And he was just kind of giving me pointers about the league. You know, you know, I've got some years, and I, I was just telling him what I'm seeing so far. And he was telling me what I need to work on. I was just taking, you know, just kind of taking notes and having those guys in my corner. So we interviewed Jalen Johnson as a freshman, and I remember it specifically. He said, okay, my idea is to come here from Utah and be in four years and I'm going to That's exactly what he did. I already said that. What you, what's your state of forest? I told Logan Link. I want to be Jalen, so I'm doing 2.9 years, so I'll be graduating next fall, and uh, I'll be with a degree with business, with a business degree, and uh, so I graduated right right after season. How'd you explain that? Um, a lot of hard work, man, so every every one of my uh, semesters, I've been taking six classes, so, you know, summer, basically, so summer, usually when guys take two, I'm taking six. Oh, including summer, too. Including summer. This last summer is the only one I did different. I took four. And that's still a lot more than most. So that's because my goal is to graduate in 2.8. Really, 2.8, 2.9. And so, by being at that point, off to the NFL? That's the goal. That's the goal. The Lord says otherwise, and I got to listen. But um, that's the goal. That's what we're doing. I promise my parents I graduate before I, did, before I leave. So, so Jalen was a high recruit. I think he had his three in Utah, SC, and Oklahoma. Uh, Burgess had to wait his time. He comes from any of story. Yeah. And yet he comes on like crazy and basically just one year as a starter gets to the NFL. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing there. What, what did he tell you? You're not really in that case because you're not starting from day one. But as far as maybe following somebody that stays through some hard times because he could have left. Yeah. And it, honestly, great question because, I mean, just hearing both of their perspectives is funny. They both came to my house at the same time. They were both there. So I got in to come. In California? Yeah. Here? No, uh, out here. I live with all a couple of my friends. So they both were sitting in the kitchen. We both we all just sat there. It's crazy. Their relationship is great too. Those dudes compete. They were competing about a forty time. They were playing like their sophomore junior year up here. And Jalen T. Birds got the last laugh because he ran a faster time at the pro day at the NFL Combine. And so uh, they're competitive and just like we are. And not uh, Jalen was just you know explaining to me his process and stuff. I knew about his recruitment. T. Birds has the opposite situation. I'm just kind of seeing how. Two different guys, recruiting-wise, formed into NFL talents because of the program. That's what made me want to come here. Sure, honestly.
Tell us about Coach Shaw because we, we can't go to practice, but in the days we used to be able to go, it seemed like he would do really. He would call him my boys. You know, he's like he's almost like a son type yeah. thing. Coach Shaw is like another dad to me. I have a great dad. I love my dad, but Coach Shaw. He's my he's my home dad. He's my dad out here, away from home. You know, I have my dad in California, and I feel like he's he stepped into that role. You know, he's somebody that I call like, every night, every morning. You know, I send him texts. You know, he text me right back. Hey son, you need to come to the office. Hey, we, we need to watch this all the time. And I'll bug him. And I'm checking on his family. He's been that in that piece for me. That's been amazing. How about Coach Gallagher? He likes to yell, but in a good way. Yeah, love Coach Gallagher. Same with him. He's been another you know important figure in my life. You know, just as a man too. You know being able to not just coach in football, but coach in life. What expectations for this team? What do you see? I see greatness. I see greatness every single day. I feel like the, the biggest key to that is like every single day, like there will be mistakes and stuff because we're still fairly a young team, but we have a lot of returning guys. But when Coach Galley says something or he, you know, wants something done, it gets done immediately. How much of the Pac-12 play in it in terms of they seem to have a number of receivers that go into the NFL too. So you'll be guarding players that will be playing on Sunday. I'm excited about that. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of guys that I feel like, you know, are really, really good in terms of talent. But of course, when you've got a great coordinator and a great coach, we feel like we're going to scheme things up. And we've got the players to, to match up and block up. Thank you. Appreciate you. There you go. That's Clark Phillips, Utah cornerback. Now another conversation that PK had with a local product who is looking to emerge this fall in Van Fillinger. Comes to Utah by way of Corner Canyon High School. A guy very highly thought of and according to Lewis Powell, very much is in the mix to op- to start opposite of Mika Tafua at defensive end. PK had a chance to catch up with Van and talk about his arrival to Utah, how his first year on campus went in that pandemic altered 2020 season. So here you go, Van Fillinger with PK right here on The Zone. Stud defensive end from Corn Canyon. Are you going to be stud defensive end at University of Utah? I mean, I'm going to try my best every day. <laughs> That's the goal, really. So you're locked into competition. We talked to Lewis Powell. He said it's a three-man competition to be the starter that's got to be fun is it nervous at all nerve-wracking I mean yeah uh, with competition comes a lot of stress and uh and a lot of uh, it's it's really easy to get in your own head and uh and forget what you're doing but I try not to do that ever I really try to just bring it every day and, and take it day by day and try to get better and and just work on myself and compete with myself not with anybody else and really just try to bring it every day for myself uh, uh not think about the competition too much so what do you think you got to do to win the starting job uh i haven't really thought about it too much really i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna do as much as i can regardless um of what i think i have to do or what i actually have to do um but i think i really just got to bring it every day and take it day by day and try to better myself every day and i think that'll do it really just plays out how it plays out yeah i mean whatever happens happens i mean the best man will get it and if I'm the best man, then I'll step up and, and do what I can for the team. So you were a reserve last season, and obviously last season was all screwy and all, but how many plays did you get in last year? Uh, I couldn't tell you the exact amount of plays, but it, it wasn't very much, and uh, I feel like that's probably right because I wasn't really exactly where I needed to be last year in terms of uh, skill level and technique, but uh, I think this year I've gotten a lot better, and uh, I've been working really hard in camp, and and uh, the off season to get stronger, faster, uh, 
get my mind right to understand certain situations. So really, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to get better right now. So in high school, you could pretty much dominate, and as a freshman at the U of U in the Pac-12, that wasn't the case? I mean, no, nah, no, nah, it wasn't the case because it's a big difference. It's a big competition difference. Uh, the dudes here are way different than the dudes in high school. So it takes a lot more work to uh, match up to them. And with a, with a weird COVID year under the belt, I don't think it was enough for me to actually uh, get to the level where I was dominating my freshman year. But I think I've worked really hard and I uh, have plans to go out there and dominate this year. So, but it was good enough to give you a taste of what you needed to do last year? Yeah, I mean, it was really good just for experience and just to see what it is like out onto the field. I mean, it was real different because it was a COVID year, but it's still the same people you're going up against, the same offenses, the same formations. So, I mean, it was really good just to get that under uh, my belt and, and get a little bit of experience. So you committed to Texas and then obviously ended up in Utah. Can you take us through that story, how that played out? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a really long, uh, long uh, recruitment. Um, there was a lot of uh, thoughts that went into if I should go to Utah or Texas. And I think when I, uh, I really tried to figure it out, um, it, was a, it was a really clear decision that Utah was the place for me. And I, I'm still confident in that decision. And I think I made the right one. What tipped it in Utah's favor? Um, there's a lot of things. I think the inside, uh, like the, I mean, it's more than that though. It's the people here was a big thing. The coaches, like, that's a that's a big thing. But then also it's just the the, the development part and uh, the ability to put people in the NFL. Um, I thought it was like, I mean, I'm seeing Bradley and I, Lucky folks who all of them go to the NFL, uh, Pensini, all of that in one year. It was kind of just like that's my goal at the end of the day and if they can do this and develop people that uh you know came from nothing I feel like I should be able to step up and uh, be able to you know do my part and how come it wasn't an easier decision to go through and choose Utah right off the bat then uh because I think when I was younger I really wanted to get out of here just because I think I didn't really appreciate what I had and uh I didn't understand what I all had here and I kind of wanted just to get a different view but then when I really stepped back and I, and I thought about it, I was like, it's not it's not worth it to leave just to leave. When there's so many things that should have kept me here, I felt like it was just like, it wasn't worth it to try to leave just to leave. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to stay in there. I, I realized that Utah has everything that I want. I mean, there's nothing really here that I can complain about it. I love it here or I'm happy to be here and I feel like I made the right decision. So it just took you a bit to figure it out but once you figured it out it became obvious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can understand that because I'm wondering, you played down at Corner Canyon the defensive coordinator in case Sotero played at Utah I'm thinking how in the world did he let you go in the first place? Well, you know, he was always ruined for me to make the best decision for me. So, I mean, when it came down to it, uh, I think he helped me choose Utah a little bit. I mean, I had all of them helping me out. Coach Care, Coach Zotero, I had my mom, my family. It was just a big help in the recruitment process. So, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Coach Zotero led me to the right place. So, there can't be too mad. Uh, how much do you think about the NFL? Uh, not much right now, honestly, because I don't feel like that's my next goal. I, I kind of like to, uh, when I when I set goals for myself, it's like more short term, just so I can reach them and, uh, and see my progress. I don't, obviously, that's the end goal. That's the long term goal. But right now, I've got little other things in mind. So what are those? Give me a couple of short term goals. I mean, uh, my goal this season, obviously, is to start. If that doesn't happen, it's cool. Uh, I'm going to work my ass off uh, to get in there and make an impact for the team. Uh, my goal is to, you know, uh, 
win games, help uh, make plays for my team. Uh, and really, the goal for this season is a Pac-12 championship and maybe even, you know, a national championship. So, so maybe in the short term, it's more team goals. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, basically, and just trying to get better for myself. Uh, like, every day, I mean, I have a little goal for myself to get better technique-wise, whether it's to get better in the run game, to get better in the pass game. Uh, it's I have goals for myself, for sure. All right, thank you. Yeah, no problem. There you go. Van Fillinger, Utah defensive end, speaking with PK. Coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch up with Utah media availability yesterday. Andy Ludwig, Kyle Whittingham, and Utah quarterback Cam Rising all spoke to the media. We'll get to those conversations. You're listening to DJ and PK right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You're listening to DJ and PK in the morning here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch filling in for PK here for just a little bit. He'll rejoin us in the next segment, but a lot to get to in terms of the University of Utah. They had media availability yesterday up on the hill. Kyle Whittingham, Andy Ludwig, the coaches that were speaking. You'll also hear in just a minute from Cam Rising as well. The Utes continuing to get ready for their season opener against Weber State, and it's coming quick, folks. We're excited for it, and of course, the best coverage of college football will be right here on the Zone Sports Network all season long. So let's let you hear a little bit from Utah media availability yesterday. Let's start off with one of the contenders to be the starting quarterback, Cam Rising, with the media speaking yesterday. That's how it goes, I guess, yeah. And how do you describe the feeling of once you kind of realize that everybody is clicking? Um, just know that the, the offense is going to be fine on all cylinders when that happens, and, and that's what we have right now. So looking forward to keeping that going. How difficult was it to repair the shoulder? Um, went to go see Dr. Andrews, and, and he, he pretty much just did the surgery, and it was clear cut and dry and then just came back and stuck stuck uh, stuck to the rehab and, and that pretty much was was uh, tedious but it was it was relative it was doable for sure when did you feel 100% uh, I started to feel ooh that's a tough question I'm not I'm not too sure exactly on the date probably close to like a month before camp or, or a month or two before camp was when I started to, to get that no more no more problems really just get to go let it rip so is it easy not to go out there and not think about it yeah I don't I don't think about my shoulder at all what are you thinking about when you're out there uh, the play and making sure that we execute <laughs> what we got going what is, what is something that your shoulder surgery has taught you just about the grind um, that it's a process. I mean, just like anything, it, it, you have to stick to that process. You have to take the right steps and not make, and make sure that you're not getting away from that and just get extra rehab when you can and take advantage of that stuff. 
whenever you can. When it comes to playmakers, where does this roster rank up against some of the ones that you've had been a part of before? Uh, it's uh, it's up there with the, oh sorry about that. It's up there with the best of them right now. We're um, we're loaded. We have guys that can make plays on the inside, outside, <laughs> backfield, everywhere. It's, it's it's going well right now. With success comes confidence, and this just seems like a confident group that that you know relies on each other and and doesn't you know focus on outside pressure. Yeah. Um, well, when you when you have a family like this. How many how many guys we have right now? It, it makes it easy to just lean on them and trust that your teammate is going to be right there, right next to you, fighting through it, and that's what makes it easy. This time of year, what does Kyle Whittingham do really well as a head coach? Um, really, really applies the pressure and makes us work because this is laying the, the the foundation to a great season right now, and and that's. That's what he does. That's that's why he's been so successful, and that's why he's such a great coach. How much is it a fact of life that quarterbacks, you're going to get recruited, and then they're going to recruit two or three others, and then there's going to be another transfer and all that stuff. So from one year to the next, you don't know who's going to be on the roster, but you know you got to come out here every day. Absolutely. I mean, that's just that's just competition. That's that's what you want. That's iron sharpening iron, and that's how you end up getting a great football team when you have depth and, and you can make sure that if one guy, if a shoestring breaks on, during a play, that you have a guy that can come in and execute just as a high level as the next. And when you're going through rehab and trying to get back to full health, is there like a mental hurdle that has to be cleared just knowing that you can still do this at a high level? Um, I didn't really feel it. I, I kind of just felt my shoulder getting, getting better through time and a lot of times I would have to be held back a little bit just because I did want to keep going and stuff. Like, I only have 30 throws today. I hit the mark, and I feel like I can keep going, but just trusting that and sticking with it, and that was, that was probably the hardest part. The fact that you're past rehab and that you're out here now, yeah. you know, what does it say about you know, your toughness and your fortitude that you're back out here and really making a play for the job again? Um, I do it for my teammates. I mean, they, they make it easy to come out and work. Uh, just always being there whenever I needed a guy to throw to, they would always go out there. Uh, that, that made it easy for me. So, so just, just having them around was, was the good part. There you go, Cam Rising. Now let's get to his offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig. Fire away. Coach, you have a fun decision ahead of yourself with the quarterbacks. How's, that, how's it been evaluating after camp? It's been great. It's been a very competitive situation. Uh, all the quarterbacks are doing an outstanding job. I know the, the the race for the number one quarterback gets a lot of attention, but we got a good competition as well for the number three quarterback between three outstanding young players, Quinn and Jackson, Peter Costelli, and Bryson Barnes. So I know all the talk is about one and two, but there's also a battle for that three spot, and I'm very pleased with the progress of the entire position group. You also have a, a lot of running backs, and you know one 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 coming into camp that hasn't really been talked about with Tavion Thomas. How how hard of a choice is it going to be to, to split up the reps? With well, it's a real luxury to be able to split up those those reps. And again, you'd like to identify one individual to be the lead ball carrier. But there's four young men that are competing every day with an exceptional skill set. Each one does something a little bit different. So it allows us to be real creative in the way that we use all their various tools and skill sets. What more do you need to see out of Cam and Charlie um, before this decision gets made? Uh, more execution, more uh, completions, just a larger body of work, I believe, is would be uh, my conversation with Coach Whittingham before we make the, uh, that designation. What was your assessment after Saturday's scrimmage for those guys? 
Uh, they both did a good job statistically about even. Charlie had a couple more uh, pass attempts. The completion percentages were about the same. They were both efficient, efficient moving the offense. Whether they were working with the first offense or the second offense, they just intermixed all the way through, and uh, they were productive. So I'm fired up about that. They didn't make the decision didn't make the decision any easier with being uh, that efficient on set. In all your years, though, have you found that the decision sort of makes itself, or the coaches have to step in and make it? Uh, this one, this one, we're going to have to make, and uh, that's a good, that's a great situation to be in because that's again two highly motivated, two football junkies with high football intellect that are playing at a very high level. Last year, the passing obviously wasn't as, as expected. How, how do you feel to get those, those receivers, you know, more play this year as opposed to last year? Well, it's, it's a it's a player driven game, and I have great confidence in the two quarterbacks that are competing for the number one job. I got great confidence in the three quarterbacks compete for the number three job. So if you feel great about the guy pulling the trigger, it's a lot easier to call pass plays. Have you ever seen a situation like this where one of the guys is coming off major shoulder surgery and steps right into a quarterback competition? Uh, let me circle back 34 years. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Just what does it say about, you know, his toughness? His Unbelievable. To Unbelievable to come back from shoulder surgery on his throwing arm and uh, spinning it the way he's doing it with the velocity, the accuracy. Uh, speaks volumes to his relentless uh, rehab. It speaks highly of the doctors and the training staff, everyone that put him back together. Last year, you know, Ty kind of established himself as the running back in the games. Is that something that you expect to see this year, or are you hoping to to have one or two guys that you're, you're hoping to run with when you start against Interstate. Again, if you can identify one one lead back, I think that's the best way to go, and we're in a very competitive situation, and may the best man win, but uh, there's a lot of skill in that backfield. Because the quarterback situation is so close, when you make the decision, will that determine how you will divide the percentage of the reps once the decision is made? It does, and that won't be any different than any other year between uh, uh, a half and a third of the reps go to the second quarterback, usually about a third of the reps. And then the third quarterback, what makes the third quarterback position so challenging is he's responsible to know everything, be able to do everything, but he's not getting any reps with the offense. Now, as, as far as the old line goes, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle said you guys want to go about 10 deep. How many guys do you, do you think are game ready right now? We got some guys, I think, just five spots, two deep, five spots. So we got, we feel good about 10, 10 offensive linemen. We know there's a couple, we're getting a couple back now that weren't with us for the scrimmage. That's going to be a huge addition for us. But uh, that group is, is depth. So again, that's, I guess that's the third time you've heard that when you talk about the running backs, the O-line, the quarterbacks. I'm very confident about the depth and experience at that position. When you bring in a transfer, what's the challenges in getting those people up to speed? Uh, first, acclimating them to the Utah football culture. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of demands on these players. It's very structured. It's very disciplined. Some come from programs that may not have had that same uh, mantra or culture built in. So that's the first thing. Uh, offensively, dealing with new nomenclature, new terminology. Oftentimes, you know, most of us run the same plays basically, but they can be called completely different. And then just locking in on the details of the techniques that their coaches. So how's all? How long does that take? 
uh, if you want to play, it can't take very long. They got it. They got to And guys work at it. And uh, right now we have great. You talk about the kids that were here in the spring have a much greater advantage than the players that came in the summer for fall camp. But uh, I'm pleased with the progress of all the transfer players. Kyle's talked about this season kind of resembling in some respects the 2019 season. Uh, in terms of the offense, do you expect your playbook to, to kind of resemble that same thing that Tyler ran? Or is this kind of different based on the different QBs? Different, different QBs. So the, the offense, again, uh, we always say we got, hey, we got about 500 plays in the playbook. It, it's a sliding scale. We're going to make sure what we do fits the quarterback position and the supporting cast around him and uh, put the QB in a position to be successful. How do you feel like that has, has gone so far in terms of the team understanding the you know the, the playbook and, and what you're wanting to do. Good, yeah. And it's not necessarily new plays. It's just emphasizing whether you're in shotgun or under center, whether it's drop back pass or play action pass. We just want to make sure we're running an offensive system, not just a bunch of plays. Final question well, for you. By the way, speaking of, of Tyler, um, he had a, he had a pretty good debut with the Ravens in, in their last game. How, how cool was that to see, especially seeing his, his path of where he's at now? Tyler Huntley is an awesome person. Person, awesome football player, unbelievable football junkie. The way he worked at it, he deserves every shred of success he's having. So I'm fired up for him. There you go, University of Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig, and finishing things off, the head man himself, Kyle Whittingham, speaking to the media yesterday after the Utes practice. Pretty much the same assessment. Offense definitely got the uh, had the better day and got the best of the defense. Uh, you know, just pretty much what we said after the scrimmage is, is what we saw on tape. Um, we threw the ball real well. Uh, we pass protected real well. Had some guys making plays. Uh, Tavian Thomas ran the ball well. Um, so yeah, same assessment. I know that you you said the the quarterbacks are very neck and neck. What about the running backs? Is Tavion Thomas starting to separate himself from the rest? Uh, it's still those four are still in a pack, and uh, Tavion is right up there. That there's there's uh, four guys that could potentially start right now. Now that could change by the end of the week or after Saturday. But right now, at this moment in time, all four guys are vying for, for the starting job. You said that you know maybe once some of these guys come back from the offensive line that you can settle that five. You know, are, are you able to feel confident going into the season right now with five or eight or whoever? How many? Have? Yeah, we feel we're going to have ten guys, solid guys, ready to rock and, and ready to uh, get the job done. Who those ten guys are is pretty well defined. Not a hundred percent. There's one of you know, nine, nine and ten are still kind of. Up in the air right now, and we still are missing uh, two or three guys that are on the shelf with various uh, injuries that hopefully don't take too much longer. And uh, the sooner we can get the five guys that we identify as the top five together, the better. Right now, that's not the case because of injury. So, what, what's different this year about maybe how well you've done in past program, maybe in years past? Well, we got a veteran group in a lot of respects, uh, even though even though their eligibility year may not say so with the COVID thing backing everything up. We've got uh, guys that have a lot of experience, and we've got a lot of talent. We've got more depth than we've ever had the offensive line from top to bottom. What's something that now with a couple of weeks into camp that day one has clearly improved to this moment in camp, and that could just be anything in general with this team? Okay, I missed the first part. Like, it's been a couple of weeks into camp okay. now, so from day one to now, what is something that's clearly improved? Okay, from day one to now, I would say the tempo of the offense is clearly improved. Uh, we've got... Uh, you know, we're getting in out of the huddle and, and getting up to the line of scrimmage and, and getting, getting everything in motion uh, faster. We're a little bit sluggish at that early on. Uh, tackling is getting better from a defensive standpoint. Pass protection has gotten better all through camp. 
and uh, the punting game. I can tell you for sure the punting game has gotten better through camp. When you talk about the quarterbacks being neck and neck, is it a deal where one guy's ahead of another guy for a day or two or practice or two and then the other guy catches up? How's that work? Uh, it's just that's part of it. And sometimes you go three or four days with the same guy out in front. It's just a very close competition. It's very close right now. And, and uh, you know, I would say that if you had to play tomorrow, we could make that decision. But we don't have to play tomorrow. We want a bigger body of work to uh, make sure we evaluate properly. And so that's why we're doing it. How do you define a bigger body of work? Well, if a guy goes two for three and another guy goes one for three, that's a lot different than a guy going 200 for 300 or 100 for 300. I mean, enough body of work where you where you know that you have enough information and enough reps accrued to make uh, a definitive so decision. So I meant like another week? You meant another week? Uh, well, uh, what we want to have... You need another week. We, yeah, we do. I said after the scrimmage that we would not name a starter for sure until after this next scrimmage. Okay. And uh, even when we have the starter, we may... We'll decide how to handle the, the uh, announcement of that. Now, you guys are going into the last week of camp, per se, and, and, you know, until uh-huh. the guys uh, you know, start school. What are you hoping to accomplish this week heading into that last week? Okay, scrimmage? we got to be better on Saturday than we were last Saturday. That's the objective. That's exactly what we told them after the scrimmage on Saturday in the meetings, is that we have to continue to improve, and things have got to be cleaner, and the execution's got to be better. Everything's got to be sharper in the second scrimmage. Uh, than it was last week. Last week we got a really good start, so we got the bar's been set pretty high, but we got to continue to improve. Do you continue to hold out guys in the second scrimmage? Uh huh. Absolutely. Yep. We still got a long ways to go. We got 17 days, and so we got to get to the scrimmage health or the first game healthy. And uh, there's a lot of proven commodities on this team that don't need a ton of live work to uh, to be ready in game one. You talked about how important is it to be able to have you know, the physical content in contact. Excuse me. In in fall camp, especially for the secondary, knowing that they didn't really get a lot of that except for in games last year. Right, it's invaluable. And uh, spring ball was even, uh, you know, as, about, as valuable as fall camp to, to get these guys fundamentally and technique sound. And uh, we took, uh, we've taken advantage of it. And I think we've struck a happy medium. We're not, you know, we hit too much and you start getting diminishing returns. So I think we're right about where we should be right now. You've talked about how 2019, you said you see some comparisons. And I remember back then you said you knew in the spring before the season that the team probably would be favored and they were heavily favored to win the South. And here you see some comparisons, but a lot of these kids weren't involved in that program to where they had high expectations. And you mentioned how you spoke to the team about handling it. And now you've come out, the rankings came out, you're ranked 24th and whatever, second in the South. Have you talked to this team about handling it? expectations oh sure that's uh, always a conversation and and blocking out the noise and and just uh, being concerned with us right now and, and improving as an individual and then improving as a team and so yeah we uh, we don't focus or talk about you know where we're ranked or anything like that at all we do expect you know we have the goal of winning the pac 12 that's an expectation that we place on ourselves and that uh, is in place but as far as where we're ranked uh, in the top 25 or where we're not ranked or where we are in the t- pac 12 expected to finish we we pay no attention to that there you have it university of utah head coach kyle whittingham and of course we'll have more of these conversations for you guys as fall camps continue and obviously on throughout the upcoming football season excited that it is getting so close coming up next though we ran around the world of sports catch up on all the major headlines with what is trending that's all coming up next right here on the zone sports network 
Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag college football. Oh, sure. That's uh, always a conversation and, and blocking out the noise and, and just uh, being concerned with us right now and, and improving as an individual and then improving as a team. And so, yeah, we uh, we don't focus or talk about, you know, where we're ranked or anything like that at all. We do expect, you know, we have the goal of winning the Pac-12. That's an expectation that we place on ourselves and that uh, is in place. But as far as where we're ranked uh, in the top 25 or where we're not ranked or where we are in the t- Pac-12 expected to finish, we, we pay no attention to that. There you go. That's Kyle Whittingham talking about expectations, man. Over the weekend, he insisted that he's not backing down from that comparison of 2019, the team that lost the first close game to SC and then blew through the rest of the South on the way to getting blown out in the conference final title game to the Oregon Ducks. We'll see what this team can do. They check in at 24. Alabama won, and good, good for them. Pay for what you get, I guess. Uh, Pac-12 with decent representation for whatever it means. You've got Utah at 24, the Sun Devils at 25, SC at 15, and Oregon at 11. I was surprised that Washington wasn't in there. That's just going to be my mantra this season, that we're sleeping on the Huskies. We'll see if it turns out to be uh, true or not. If I'm way off, which wouldn't be the first time, won't be the last time. But those are the rankings that came out. Give us something to talk about. BYU, among others, receiving votes. Have an opportunity there to get in quickly if they take care of business. They start 2-0. My guess is that BYU will be in the top 25. And Utah would fall out of the top 25 because that second game is between the two teams for the last time since 2024. If not now, when? Still have... Three weeks or so, uh, August uh, 17th today. Excited for that game. Excited for the season to get started. Some quarterback news. Ohio State redshirt freshman C.J. Stroud. He's got some separation in that quarterback room. Scotty on that, uh, I go over there and put kids on the phone for them. I'm, I'm now a lackey for their show. and uh, that's Sweet. That's my, my job description is put... Utah players on the phone for that show now. Uh, he talked about the tight end room. The tight end room they got. The room. <laughs> the quarterback room in Ohio State Did has some separation. Well, Did you hear the phone immediately? No, I didn't hear it. I mean, I, I was actually doing interviews while uh, Dalton Kincaid was on the telephone, my telephone, using them, uh, talking to them. Uh, he said, the, the, the room, and then you got to get separation. That's the key. Separation and room. Those are two critical words in football these days. So he separated himself, according to head coach Ryan Day. And the battle is between Stroud and you got fellow redshirt freshman Jack Miller, who's from the Phoenix area, another kid that got away. And then true, not false, but true first-year freshman Kyle McCord, Quinn Evers. He's an early enrollee who skipped his last year of high school. And speaking of quarterback news, we've got University of Colorado. They have a quarterback, Shroud, who has got a significant knee injury, they're saying. Calderell was talking about that. Uh, And 
That would be redshirt freshman Brendan Lewis is the starter right now. They were neck and neck, Carl Durrell said, using the same terms that Kyle used on Saturday. Neck and neck. So Lewis doesn't have much experience for the Buffaloes. We'll see how that plays out. Now, of course, he'll have, if the season plays out, he'll have plenty of experience by the time we get to the huge rivalry game between Utah and Colorado, the legendary battle of whatever the hell they call it between those two teams. College football heating up for sure, taking advantage of it. BYU today doing some Zoom stuff again. Zoom all week, well, three times. Used to be in my day, and I'm an old-timer now. Back in the day when I worked for the Watchdog, media availability every day during fall camp which is actually training camp. I don't consider August fall. Uh, At no point does it even hit fall. It comes up a month short of fall. As I September 21st (laughs) is technically when fall begins. Yeah, so it comes, I call it training camp, August training camp, fall camp. As we all should. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start calling Thanksgiving Christmas and Halloween Thanksgiving. It's a month shy of having to be in there. Uh Uh-oh, I just got a text. I didn't silence my phone. I'm guessing it's from Scotty. Let me see. Oh, no, Lloyd. <laughs> Just having fun. I'm not even going to read it. Come on, relax. Don't get excited. I'm sure they're they're getting on me because I said I'm a lackey now to put guys on the phone for them. So take it easy. More than willing to do it. The, the one thing about PK, he's the ultimate team player. So uh, should I even read it? Yaki, see what he says. Is he going to get on me? Because I think he is. It has a bad word. Let's not read it. <laughs> Oh, if it has a bad word? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're the best. And he spelled your wrong. Come on. Come on. Ah. Well, U of U education. All right. That's college football right here on 97.5. Joe hating the zone. <laughs> Hashtag NFL. Alex Smith joining ESPN. Sure. Why not? Stay close to the game. Excited to see what he can do. Now, some guys you never know because... A lot of you jocks, they like to get in the cliches. we got to jump on them early, you know, that type of thing. And that that's a big thing that they like. So if he's not going to be cliche-ridden, then I'm all for it. Obviously a smart dude. See what he can bring. We'll have a cougar and a ute. Maybe they can team up. Because Steve Young's on that show. Or on that network, anyway, as an NFL analyst. I don't know what show he's going to be involved in. So, saying multiple roles. I'm not going to call him the worldwide leader. That's a self-appointed term. They're not. In fact, if anything, their influence has greatly been reduced since they tagged themselves with that. They're ESPN. I'm just going to leave it at that. What we got with Mahomes here? His signature show, the Mahomes One Impact FLX, we released. Signature shoe, not show. We got show here, buddy. Signature shoe. It's going to be released by Adidas. You know what Adidas stands for? All day I dream about soccer. I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's one of the rumored terms is what it stands for. No, yeah, between you and... We didn't do the updates and we didn't hit RSL yesterday. It was a glorious day. <laughs> I'm back, so... <laughs> uh, let me see. Do you have it on this list? Because if you do, I'm in charge today. We ain't talking about it. So he's going to have a signature. I'm going to rush out and buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Cam Newton telling the media that Bill Belichick has not told him who's going to be the starting quarterback. 
And that would be something if they started Mac Jones. If four or five rookies started. I don't think Trey Lance is going to start. He looked okay the other day. I don't know. You think he's going to start? I don't think he's going to start. The Niners have been insistent that Jimmy G is the guy. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We know that Zachy's going to start. Yes. We know that Trevor Lawrence is going to start. Well, if you believe Irvin Meyer, there's an actual battle. Okay, yeah, he did say that. You're right. Yeah, between uh, Lawrence and Minshew. Uh, But I still think that Lawrence is going to start. I think that maybe Irvin's playing a little head games there. I don't think there's any question, obviously, that Zach Wilson's going to start. Can Mac Jones start? What about Fields in Chicago? You know, they had acquired Dalton, said that he was going to be the starter. Uh, You wonder why. I mean, they made that announcement long before fall camp started in July uh, for the Bears. So we'll see. Uh, I would think that Newton would start, but I'm not close to the situation. What do I know there? I, I would give Newton an opportunity. I still I don't believe in it as much as I used to. I thought that he'd be okay last year. I think he was a little less than okay. But it was a funky season. A bunch of guys opted out and all that stuff. Let's see what he can do this year before we bury him and say that his career as a full-time starter in the NFL is gone. But maybe it comes to that. With 17 games, we'll have plenty of time to see as we get started. The season starting on September 12th for the Dolphins. Excited, certainly for excited. And I got an email from DirecTV said they're giving me, they're giving me the Sunday package. Yeah, sweet. Please don't fire us. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know. I just, I mean, I haven't had DirecTV for a long, long time. That's so. nice of them, though. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed it last year, and uh, they gave it to me. My wife had an issue with them, and they gave it to us as some form of compensation this year they just sent us an email according to what she told me she looks at that stuff said that they said they would give it to us and yeah then i can pick and choose which games i want to watch which go back and forth sundays will be fun in my household for sure one day after he was released by the detroit lions alex brown was charged in connection with a non-fatal car accident but also injured in his teammate charlie team This is close as i'm gonna get Cornerback had been reckless driving, allegedly. Expected to be a rain today. Falcons, their team is fully vaccinated. Right on, 100%. Vaxxed to the max. That's what I'm calling it. They are vaxxed to the maxed. Good for them. All right, that's your NFL. 97.5, 1280, the zone. Hashtag Utah Jazz. The Jazz Summer League team is closing it up today. They play the Philadelphia 76ers, such as they are, at 1.30, final game of the Summer League, and then they shut it down. Now, that game's available on ESPN3 and, of course, NBA television. I'll probably watch some of that this afternoon. BYU's got their Zoom call at 12.45, lead right into it. Give me something to do work-wise in this Tuesday afternoon. Uh... So, I suspect we'll see Azubuke play well again. He's done well. And Forrest, I said yesterday, I was telling Lloyd, sitting in for you, Yach, that I'm excited to see what Yuz can do. Because I know we had Jim Bayham on. Bayheim thought he was an NBA player. He didn't get much of a chance last year. I don't know how much of a chance he's going to get this year, but this might be the last time we see him play more than a scattered minutes here and there. So, they close up Summer League. It's done. They're not eligible for this 
the title thing. Uh, what are they, 3-1 and one now? So they guaranteed five games, and this is the fifth game. Correct, yeah. They're in the consolation bracket officially. Yeah. Maybe they can win the bronze. <laughs> Maybe so. Huh? Right, come on, man. Bronze means something to some people around here. Yeah, better than, what do you get when you're fourth? You get nothing. You shut out. Summer League action, and then we'll see about uh, what happens from there. The NBA goes quiet for a little bit. Speaking of the NBA, let's get to that right now. Hashtag NBA. The NBA, man. The Celtics are going to pay Marcus Smart four years, $77 million contract extension. Wow. Man, that's just... I mean, he's okay. I'll give it to you. He's okay. Tough guy. Plays good defense. Not necessarily a good shooter. But $77 million to be an average guy in the league. Stick around. He's been in the league since 2014. Man, that is just life-altering money forever. And in the NBA, unless something happens there, all of that is guaranteed. Wow. Reports are the Sixers closing in on a four-year, $196 million Supermax contract. For Joel Embiid. Joel. Good old Joel. Or Joel, as they call him. Embiid. Man. Wow. Now, he's already making $65 million over the final two years of his current deal. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. The amount of money that these guys make. And I'm supposed to get excited about winning and losing. <laughs> One interesting note on that is this new contract doesn't have provisions in it to let the team out of any deal if he suffers another foot injury or a back injury he's dealt with previously. The other ones well, have yeah. had those outs. I mean, they played 72 games. He played 51. I mean, that's who Embiid is. Yeah, but it, he'll have load management next to his name in October. I was going to say, it's going to be coming. So, I mean, that's, that's exactly who he is. He's the anti Carl Malone. And Carl Malone, 82, 82, 82, 82. Joel Embiid, 51, 61, 65. I mean, you know it's coming. It will happen. And for, for you who wonder why I, I don't get caught up in the final score, $65 million on a deal, and he's signing a $196 million deal. I mean, I'm not good at math, but that's over $250 million to play basketball. Wow. Man. <laughs> I'm surprised these guys worry about winning and losing, actually. I give them credit for actually caring. Because when you're getting that kind of cash, yeah, man, good for them, though. They do care about it, and they do work hard at it. That's that's good. Great. I'm excited for them to, to do that. And when they get in the playoffs, the money, when the ball goes up, it isn't about the money. Yeah. I don't know that I could do that. To me, when the ball goes up and when it comes down... I'm richer for when, it, when when the ball goes up. By the time it comes down, I've made more money in that split second. Uh, and good for them, man. They are competitive and they want to win, and that's what makes it fun for me is having them want to win. The fact that we have winners and losers, that's good enough for me to watch, to watch them compete. I don't necessarily care who does the winning or losing, but I like enjoy I enjoy watching people, man, woman, doesn't matter who it is, compete to win, knowing that there's losses. I mean, in the Olympic deal when Canada won, you know, the girl, ladies soccer in uh, Sweden, they lost. I mean, the Swedish gals were just visibly distraught. And, of course, the Canadian gals were going crazy. And that was fun. That was fun to watch. We're watching it during the show, actually. 
was a couple of Fridays ago. And it went to penalty kicks. A crazy way to end the game, but I certainly enjoy it as a fan. All right, that's your NBA right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Big League Baseball. Yankees get Garrett Cole back from COVID-19, and he goes on to strike out nine. He's watching some of that game. The Angels lose 2-1. to one. Cole, probably the best pitcher in the American League, 11 and 6 on the season. Giants continue to win. That was on the MLB Network. Chris Bryant acquired from the Cubs here a few uh, days ago. Homer twice as they came from behind, maintaining their lead in the NL West. Dodgers beat the Pirates. Uh, Max Muncie and Billy McKinney hit home runs, and that's all she wrote. Now, that uh, who was the pitcher for the Dodgers? Because, oh, Jackson. He pitched it to you, right? He started. Didn't he start? i got to double-check that. Uh, I thought that that was going to be the game on MLB Network, but it ended up being uh, the Giants. I mean, they'd have been advertised. I don't know how that works. The Snig Dog would know that, but I don't know that. It seemed like they were advertising the Giants or the uh, Pirates and Dodgers all day long as I was watching MLB yesterday afternoon, and then they went ahead with the other game, the Dodgers and not Dodgers weren't shown. It was the Giants and the Mets. But yeah, Jackson got... Oh, he didn't start. I know what they did. They had the real, how you say his name, just pitched an inning as... Oh, we did this. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But Tampa's done. Right. And then they brought in Jackson, who did... I think he pitched at the University of I know he did. Andre Jackson. So he goes the next four innings... Uh, and only gave up two. The Pirates, Pirates aren't very good, but he only gave up two hits. Walked four, that was not good. Struck out five, that was good. But yeah, he gave him four solid innings for them. He didn't get the win because they didn't score until uh, they hit a home run in the seventh and hit a home run in the eighth. So when he left, the game was, uh, was tied, 0-0. So good for him. Andre Jackson, former U of U pitcher, making his major league debut, I think it was, is what they were talking about, according to the MLB Network thing when they would do the cut-ins. Excited for them. Padres lost. They got back uh, Tatiste on Sunday and then went to Colorado yesterday and lost. Bees won. Four pitchers combined to throw a two-hitter as they blanked the Sacramento River Cats. Six-zip. They got the series finale tonight at 635, of course, at Smith's Ballpark. Padres pick up Jake Arrieta. Now, he just got shelled the other night for the Cubs. He was 5-11 with a 6-8-8 ERA. But the Padres are losing starting pitching left and right, man. Left-handers, right-handers, ambidextrous guys. It doesn't matter. <laughs> They're trying to stay in the race. Yeah, wow, man. And they got the Reds healthy. breathing right down their necks. I think the Reds are only like about a half game back as they just pulverized the Cubs last night. Joey Votto got his 2,000th hit. Speaking of Canadians. Vato, 2000. He's been a fixture there at first base for the Cincinnati Reds for a long time. And speaking of the Cubs and the Reds, they are announced to be the teams that will play in Dyersville, Iowa next year, the Field of Dreams 2022. Man, that's going to be tough because that was such a smashing success to follow that up. But I guess you got to try. I think maybe they should do a thing that where. It'll take a while to get through. I don't know, haven't heard them announce it, but maybe they can do a thing where everybody can play there. They can have turns, uh, Cubs and uh, Reds close, relatively speaking. 
uh, to where man, well, they only had an 8,500 or so, so they'll probably sell out. There's a bunch of people who are saying that this should be the White Sox at all times, considering Field of Dreams is yeah, exactly, that franchise. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And they did look cool in those old school uniforms. And start a guy like Lance Lynn, who looked like he's a throwback dude, big <laughs> yeah. husky dude with a beard. Yep. Look like he's from the early uh, 1900s he there. He fit right in. Yeah, he really did. I mean, I thought he was a character from the Cosner and Lance Lynn. If I didn't know who Lance Lynn looked like, I would have thought he would have been one of those guys who was uh, on the field at that time in the movie. So, good for that one. It's funny how movies stick. Some movies become cult favorites for years and years, and I think Phil Dreams is in that category. But it's got to be a good movie, too. We should talk about that. Save that for next summer. Which movies are cult movies that you talk about years after their release? Like, for instance, why do people make a big deal about the Brady Bunch? I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Why do, we, why do we talk about the Brady Bunch all these years later and they have cast reunions? Who cares? I was not a Brady Bunch guy. But some, some things stick and they stay for... Really, forever. And we'll see if that's the case. Field of Dreams will, and the Field of Dreams field, and the game that they used, that they played there, was a hit. Uh, what was it, last week? And we'll see what happens in the coming years. All right, there you go. That is what's trending. Coming up, man, that's something we need to talk about. Who's going to start a quarterback in New Orleans? Is it going to be the former Cougar, the undrafted one? Is he going to be the ultimate success story to go from undrafted Taysom Hill to start? And if he starts, that would be two Cougars that will be gone program, independent, that go 7-6 and six every year. But when they have the cream puff schedule, they manage to win 11 ball games and don't beat anybody. You know that program that nobody the talks about. gone program. Yeah, yes. that in-state team. Can they have two starters in the NFL at quarterback? Can you believe it? We'll have Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints and Locked on the NFL podcast, joining us in about an hour and a half. We got the Monsonian Institute, jazz lover, Gordon Monson. Jazz lover, <laughs> among other things. Oh, you listen to their show? Yeah, you know. Him and Jake, they love the jazz. They love themselves some jazz, man. This next season is going to be Are you trying it. to get him to hang up on me when I call I'm him? I'm trying to get him to. I mean, I listen to their show. And they're very, very optimistic about them. And for good reason. Well, join us in about half hour. Stay with us. PK flying solo today. Need your help. Need your listenership to get me through this morning. Whatever gets you through the morning is all right. It's all right with me. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK in the Morning is proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. And I am proud to be representing this company here on this morning radio station, which we've been doing for a long time. 
David James Stingeldorf is out on a soccer retreat. Is that what we're calling it, a soccer retreat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, you got to get geared up for the start of the second half. <laughs> the I've heard of endless summer with RSL and this MLS. It's endless season. These things started in April, and here we are in August, the second half. Yeah, he's on a soccer retreat. He'll be back from his nil-nil vacation coming back tomorrow. But for now, it's just PK and the Yachtster. Just thinking about this. Is BYU, that woe-be-gone football program, going to have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Two starting quarterbacks in the NFL, man. That says something. Are there any teams that got two starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now? I think there are. There are. Oklahoma? Oklahoma, yes. We got Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Both those kids are transfers, interestingly. And sure. did they play? Well, Murray, I think, uh, sat out because he transferred. I think Baker, but is Baker Mayfield only there one season? He sat out too, though. Did he sit out? And then you had, well, Jalen Hurts did not sit out. He came over to Oklahoma. Now we look at him from Alabama. So either way, if you can, if you attribute him to Oklahoma or Alabama, then that's multiples. Oklahoma already has it. But Tua Tagovailoa down there in Miami, if you consider Hurts an Alabama kid, how would you play that? It gets a little confusing there since he played for both programs. But that's big time, man. If you're putting BYU in the same breath as Oklahoma, holy cow. And then Wentz. Is he going to be back? Is he a starting quarterback? Well, if he's healthy. But he's going to be back, right? At some he's not point. out for the season. No, it was five to 12 weeks. Yeah. The reports were last week that he was progressing faster than expected right. and should be available early. Right. So you got that going on. So there's a few because uh, where did he go? North Dakota State. And where did Trey Lance go? North Dakota State. So how about that? If he ends up being a starter if now. NDSU is. Yeah, we'll have to see if uh, he'll be a starter at some point. Oh, yeah. Whether Wentz will be a starter at the same time could possibly remain to be seen. But you're drafting. What did they draft Lance? Fifth? He was fifth. Yeah. No, he was third overall. Sorry. He was third. So they went yeah. three quarterbacks went right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, one, two, three. So, yeah. So, I mean, Lance is going to play and he's going to start. And then you got uh, Clemson. With Trevor Lawrence, I still believe he's going to start down there in Jacksonville. And I don't know what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Yeah. He was a starting quarterback. Well, his talent would indicate that he's a starting quarterback. Yeah. I would think. I mean, I'm not sure anybody uh, can argue that uh, as far as that goes. So anybody else? Are we missing any other teams? Uh, Starting quarterbacks in the NFL? 32 teams is running through different schools in my mind, but I think you've nailed the, I guess, ones that would have multiples. And the Cougars are going to be there. Is is our man Taysom Hill going to start? We'll get the lowdown. Sort of a, I mean, it's not conclusive. Sean Payton after the game, it's just one preseason, but they only have three saying he didn't want to talk about it. And let's see. That's kind of cool that the Utes and Aggies have quarterbacks in the NFL. Jordan Love and Tyler Huntley. How about that? He's an undrafted kid. 
Now, Love, we know, was moved up as far as the first round with the Packers being uh, the team that selected him. We'll see about that. What do you think? Put the question up on Facebook. How is it possible that BYU could have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL in the independent era? This is not in the glory days when they were rolling out 11 and ones every year and McMahon and Young were going to the NFL, as were the people before him, them, I should say, with Wilson and uh, who else? Somebody else. Who am I missing? Nielsen? I say Nielsen, yeah. Yeah. Virgil Carter? And when they were quarterback you, is this the return of quarterback you now? And there was a little blip in there between uh, Hill and Wilson. I don't think that they were teammates. They didn't play together, did they? They did not. No. Mangum got a run there before they decided to go midway through Wilson's freshman season as the starter. And then he took over for the next two and a half years. Sophomore year had a bunch of injuries, though, which actually I think could benefit the Cougars now in retrospect. It worked out pretty good for BYU, in a sense, with having Wilson be injured. Now maybe he cost him some games, uh, but he couldn't have gone much higher. In fact, he couldn't have gone higher in the draft because since his freshman year, Trevor Lawrence was always going to go number one. So the highest you were going to be able to go was number two, because Wilson was the assumed number one for three years until he became eligible for the draft. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So Zach Wilson went as high as he could possibly go. And so he sat out with some injuries. What was it, a thumb injury that freshman or sophomore season? And that allowed Romney and Hall to get some experience that the Cougars obviously hope will pay off this coming season. So they're not starting completely and totally from scratch. Each of these kids has starting experience. And then Wilson kicked butt. But it was all scheduled last year. I mean, everybody knows he wouldn't have had that kind of season. I don't even think he would have been drafted if it wasn't for COVID. I mean, you got Biden and Zach Wilson that really need to be grateful for COVID, right? Both those people got in. They won. Just kidding. Relax. Having fun with it. It's a morning show. DJ says to be fun. Be light. Don't be nasty. Don't be mean. People are going to work. They want to enjoy themselves. I got 20 years of him lecturing me. And let me tell you, now that he's not here to interrupt me. <laughs> Please, I need, I need another one to say that I can play back at any time. If you, want, if you want to comment on the manifesto, go back and listen to Jake Scott yesterday. You were out sick. You had food poisoning, which Lloyd Cole told me Michael Jordan had food poisoning, and we saw what he did. And Jake had food poisoning and had to be out for three days. So I'm just saying. Three days. Well, you got it on Friday, didn't you? You had Saturday, Sunday, Monday? I got it Sunday, but okay. Oh, okay, okay. So, I mean, Yach is certainly not MJ. And MJ would let you know that you're not him. I mean, he let Brian Russell know. Oh, he'll (laughs) let anybody know that. (laughs) So just having fun. But how about that? I think it's cool. I think it's especially in, in the independent era where BYU is not on the mindset so put that up on Facebook, and what DJ does is read Facebook questions, but he's on a soccer retreat today. Liberals are in the White House, and no one is batting an eye at all the crises they are making. So yeah, anything is possible. Perry going political. I didn't bring up politics in this. Come on. Why would you do that? And Kevin, way to turn this political, Perry. Yeah, I'm of the DJ mindset. You want politics? You got plenty of other shows to go to. We're not coming here. I mean, who cares? 
what I have to say politically. Who barely cares what I have to say sports-wise, let alone politically? Why would I delve into that? I don't have a clue about any of that stuff anyway. Just people yakking. It won't happen, Doug says. Hill will not be the starter. Neither will Winston. Hello, F.A.? Who's F.A.? Free agent? One of these two is going to be the starter in New Orleans, right? We're less than a month away from the start of the season now. It's either going to be one of the two. Is it going to be Hill or is it going to be Winston? I'm pulling for Hill, local kid, another story. Chris says to Doug, well, it's a little late to bring in a free agent at this point unless it's Breeze. Call him the Breeze. Bring back Drew. I don't think that's going to happen. Say Drew's getting fitted for suits because he's going to be on TV. Steve Toon, look at the quarterback position as a whole in the NFL. Only a handful of good ones. All right, well, how do we know that Taysom Hill is not going to be a good one? Why are we ruling that out? We rule that out. Let's see. Jason, quarterback you is back. Is that true? Uh, Ryan says, as a gadget QB, sure. Is Taysom Hill the best gadget QB in the NFL? <laughs> What's a gadget QB? <laughs> oh, and they're, I, like, see, the rivalry. Yeah, that in-state game. Oh, yeah, the in-state game. Come on. You ter- put something out there and Utes and Cougars go at it. One of the greatest rivalries in college football. Winston threw 30 interceptions, Chris said, the last time he played for a full season. Hill won't turn the ball over that many times. Oh, yeah, we have to have Sniggy. He loves me. He, he latches onto a stat. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Yeah, good thing I don't take a drink every time he says that. He plastered by 8 o'clock. A 30-30 season. <laughs> Uh, Scotty, good for them. As an avid BYU hater and troll, these were decent kids, and I wish them the best. All right, Scotty. Way to take the high road. Can you do that after the fact? That's the one thing I wonder with this robbery. When I first got here, you know, I really had no idea. 28 years ago, hard to believe. I really had no idea the intensity and the passion of the robbery. I mean, I knew the schools were close in the same city because I had spent very little time. I had driven through a couple of times uh, in this community, but that that's about it. And, you know, you saw BYU on television. It seemed like they'd been on TV. By the time I got here, they'd been on TV for at least 10 years consistently. Utah, not so much. I don't recall ever seeing them on television. Maybe I did, but nothing stood out as far as that went. Whereas BYU, there were plenty of things that stood out with them on television. And you knew who their quarterbacks were, right? They had had a name going forward, and obviously Detmer had won the Heisman a couple of years earlier by the time I had gotten there. So you certainly knew of uh, who their quarterbacks were and their prolific offense, and they were fun to watch, and it did seem like they are on television. But that was the extent. And one thing I did not know is the vitriol between the teams, or the fans of the teams, I should say. And working at the Watchdog, uh, my experience over there, at least in the sports room, uh, I don't know if it was dominant, 
but it seems that majority were Ute fans. And one of the things, one of the guys who thought he was, I won't mention his name, but he just thought he was just above everybody else and thought he was so much better than everybody else. Uh, I remember he was on the desk and he wrote about Sean Bradley, who was covering the NBA, and he wrote the BYU dropout. Come on, man. I mean, you, you're, you're covering basketball, and that was your shot at BYU. The BYU dropout. That's how he second referenced Sean Bradley. As if we went and saw everybody to make sure they got their diploma or not. Because if you didn't get your diploma, then you were a dropout. Right? right? Larry Miller, the U of U dropout. I mean, we would never think to phrase him that. But the point I'm making is even as he was covering the NBA, he still hated BYU. And he used to root against Steve Young in the NFL. And I thought, wow, man. That means you really, really hate those guys. That just opened my eyes to the rivalry, the BYU dropout on second reference of all things. Uh, and that really, that shocked me. I mean, shock's too strong of a word. In the sports term, it shocked me, I guess. So the hatred that extends into guys when they go into the professional ranks, that you root against them, has that lessened since... The teams are not even playing each other anymore every single season. They won't for the next two years after this. Is there that much hatred for Brady Christensen or Zach Wilson? Ute fans, let me know. Get on our app. Are you going to root for Zach Wilson to fail in the NFL? Are you going to root for Taysom Hill to fail? And Cougar fans... Could you possibly root against Tyler Huntley to fail in the NFL? Now, he did say they're so poo-poo. Who can forget that? They so (laughs) poo-poo? But did you root against Alex Smith, or did you not enjoy his incredible comeback from what they say was potentially a life-threatening injury, and he comes back? To get back, I'm gonna lose it. Don't they? They so poo poo. <laughs> y'all can tweet. Y'all can tweet that. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> we never gonna lose it. Don't they? They so poo poo. <laughs> y'all can tweet. Y'all can tweet that. <laughs> Stay with me. Let me know, man. Get on our app. Do you hate guys when they go in the NFL from the respective schools? Is it going to that level? Because when I got here in the 90s, that really surprised me. I, I, I just did, didn't happen in L.A. that much. Uh, not that I'm aware of in Arizona. Oh, when they were gone, they were gone. And whatever happened would happen. Are you rooting against these dudes? Stay with us. We'll get to that next. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look, he got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. <laughs> Can we not focus on that? You walk in like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an 8th grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done <laughs> so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) 
Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For me, I, I root for everybody from Utah. I mean, during the rivalry, rivalry, you can hate who you like, but you should be rooting for Utah people in general, out and about, in every facet of, of life. There you go, man. How about that? I'll tell you about the 60 and 60. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60, and it's presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. My pick would be Devin Lloyd for number one. We'll see what happens there. Uh, what are they in the teens by now? Uh, I believe, yeah, somewhere around like 15 or 16. Yeah, so uh, another 10 players or so. We'll start getting down to the nitte gritte as far as that goes. All right, who was that on the app? It came in with Mormon Guy 17 as the name. Mormon Guy 17. Correct. I don't know there what that go. means. Mormon Guy 17. I believe he is Mormon. Is he 17 years old? I don't or... know. Or. I don't know. I don't know what the 17 means. I guess we'd have to see who the 15th and 18th are and the 16th. Mormon guy at 17 says he roots for everybody in the state. We should be rooting for the state of Utah. Can you and Cougars bring yourselves to do that once these players leave and go on? How about for Zach Wilson, though? I mean, he truly is a state of Utah kid all the way through when you think about it, man. Right? I don't know if he was born here, but apparently he was raised here. Obviously went to high school here and stayed local. Yeah, he's going to get an extra dose of fandom from me because he chose to stay local. And everybody knows a Sun Devil fan from me, that woe-be-gone, law-breaking school. This football program is in shambles right now. You should beat them by no less than 30 in October, that would be a big-time upset if the Sun Devils, I mean, I don't even know if they'll have five coaches on the team by then. Who will be coaching? Danny White? When we get to that point, they, they've got assistants dropping left and right, and then their best defensive lineman out for the season, they're saying, with a tricep injury. Oh, man. Find a way to win two or three games and call it good and regroup and and get rid of all these lawbreakers and cheaters and malcontents and marauders of youth and get some people who are going to be upstanding into that program. So with that in mind there, man, you know, for me, I've talked about how kids from Arizona in droves leave. I mean, they are... I mean, the funny thing is that Arizona is a border state, and we know we got people flooding in to the state, as all border states are, if you believe the news. They're just flooding in because the borders are open. Well, when it comes to football in Arizona, they're flooding out because the borders are open. So for everyone that comes across down in Nogales, they've got a Division One player who leaves the border. So it's kind of a wash in terms of population. You know what I'm saying? You got all these people that are coming in. And then you got all these football players that are leaving. Mass 
exodus, mass migration in, mass migration out. So if there's a player from the state who stays and puts on the maroon and gold, I root for them even more. And can you feel that way with Zach Wilson? Because let's face it, they talk a good game, the coaches do in our state, about, yeah, recruiting in-state. It's our number one priority. Okay, it might be, but it's not the number one priority of the top kids to stay in-state. Those are just facts. And you can't argue with facts. One thing I've said, I've told my children, you can't argue with facts. I've told young Yawk, as we've nurtured him in his 20s, now in his 30s, and he's become a young father, tell your children... You can't argue with facts. And that's what we're having. The top players consistently, and here's where DJ would rush to 24-7 on the internet and get the recruiting rankings, but I don't do that. Because he loves himself some facts. As he's gone, he'll be back tomorrow from his soccer retreat. All fresh up. And coming back from the pitch. And the box and the seven is 17. Isn't there something a soccer is 17 or is it 16 at the 16 at the 17? Isn't there some phrase there? You said Mormon at 17, at the 18 at the 18. Oh, it's so close, man. I don't even know what the crap that means. The 18 but, yard box. Yeah. At the 18. And you got to say like, you know, hey, you know what you're talking about, man. You know, that's so dope, man. You know, you know what I mean, man. Right. Let's keep it. Keep it. You got time. Kids got time these days. They know what I'm talking about. So with that in mind, man, Zach Wilson, he's going to be my hero when he blows up and wins the AFC Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to root for him even more because he stayed local. And the facts are some of the best players usually leave this state. And we can recite them on and on. And here's the number two pick. The highest pick of any kid in state. Has any got, anybody gone number one? I realize Smith did, but I'm talking about kids who played high school ball here. I do not believe so. Has there ever been number one? Bogut went number one. And he's from Australia, just here two years. Van Horn, at least he stayed here for four years. He went number two in the NBA draft. I think in 97, was it? Long time ago. Time's getting away from you, people. Getting away from all of us. All right, what do you think on that? Can you find it in your heart, Ute fans, to root for Wilson? Because he's sort of a, he's an adjunct Ute, is he not? He's a quasi-Ute, is he not? They had to redecorate their yard, or, uh, basement with Ute gear, put up Cougar gear. They're Cougars now. They got another well, son, Josh, playing there, linebacker for the Cougars, as the Utes continue to thumb their nose at the Wilson family and a younger quarterback who didn't even start. They've already offered him, right? He's just a sophomore. Yep. As Corner Canyon put, uh, what they put, 72 on Farmington? Yeah, 72 past Farmington. But I understand they had two defensive scores. Correct, but Devin So the Brown, offense was a little crappy. only scored 58. Yeah, but he had eight touchdowns in the first half or something. So yeah. Yeah, and as I understand, they uh, took the air out of the ball in the second half, played the JV, defense coordinator touting his defensive acumen. Come on, man. That's got to be the easiest job in the history of football. 
All right. We got the Monsonian man coming up next. We'll find out why he loves the jazz so much. Stay with us. 97.5, 1280 The Zone. All right. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday morning. We got a guest coming up. Gordon Monson, the guest line is now. We call it, actually call it the Smart Rain guest line because it's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. You can find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, you hear him on the big show, 2 to 6. He writes for the watchdog. Gordon Monson. Gordon, I'm going to start off, man. I listened to your show. Tell me, why are you so high on the Jazz and thinking that they're actually going to win the title in 21-22? Because it's apparent that you think that. Never said that. (laughs) Never said that. (laughs) I didn't say you said that. I said it's apparent you think that. (laughs) (laughs) I love the way you're drawing conclusions, PK. (laughs) I just said they. I think they're better than they were, uh, better prepared to uh, handle what the NBA will bring, especially in the playoffs. Don't know if they'll win a title, uh, and I have not said that. But you are the first person, PK, in my career who ever called me a homer. They call you a homer. I'm a homer. You act like being a homer is so bad. I don't. Uh, homers, we're all homers. Come on, everybody's a homer. You act like that's like the like, I don't know a, a triple, quadruple times a thousand axe murderer. <laughs> you, oh, you take yeah. it like it's so bad. That's the worst thing. You know, have, draft dodging, <laughs> you know what, whatever, whatever in your day that gets you fired up. I, mean, I want all the teams to win. I mean, I don't really care in the final analysis, but sure, yeah. We're just talking about Zach Wilson. I want him to do well. Now, if he doesn't do well, does it really matter to me? But I like the kid. I want to see him do well. So does that make me a homer? Fine, makes me a homer. Who, how do I care what other people think about me? What does it, what does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We'll let that be. I do think the Jazz are, are better improved and more flexible, more uh, versatile, I guess. But we'll see how that turns out. You know, so much of it depends on how healthy the team is when it matters most. And uh, I know people look at that as an excuse. But, I mean, the Lakers last year really got hurt by injury. I think the Jazz were as well at the end. But anyway, uh yeah, I mean, I, I think they've they've done a nice job this offseason, did what they had to do to try and, and edge the thing forward. Speaking of... Uh, Go Jazz! Woohoo! Speaking of, yeah, <laughs> speaking of Zach Wilson, do you see what Phil Simms said about him? He went out to Jets practice and was really impressed by the dude. So we'll see how it goes for the former Cougar. I am not only interested in what Phil Simms says, I want to hear what Molly Sims and Chris Sims have to say about Zach Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Well, Phil's son, Chris, played a little quarterback, actually had been extremely high on him. That's right. Going back into before the draft, and as he was evaluating quarterbacks last between the end of the season and preceding the draft, so in those uh, late winter, early spring months, he had been saying that Wilson, he, I, I think it was him, floated the possibility of taking Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I remember that now. 
I do remember that. So maybe there's a familial thing going on there. But, PK, I will give you credit because you uh, you saw the talent in Zach Wilson and were convinced of it before most of the rest of us were. So I a tip of the cap to you on that. Uh, you saw you saw what uh, emerged, and so we'll see where it goes from here. But you know, I saw the plays on Saturday. He looked pretty good against the Giants. We'll see what happens when uh, Sala opens the playbook a little more and lets him uh, wing it around. Yeah, that's interesting. You say speaking with Gordon Monson, Big Show fame, is that. I saw it. You know, I would debate whether I saw it on my own or was the fact like a lot of the stuff that I say is gathered through information because I'll be the first to admit I'm not a talent evaluator at the professional level. I mean, that's the thing about sports is that we can have fun with it and I can say you're going to think the Jazz are going to win and we can debate that and, you know. Whether they do or not, and no one really knows, and we won't know till next late spring, early summer. But we can make these bold proclamations and have fun with it because it's just sports talk. In the end of the, as they say, as Donovan Mitchell says, at the end of the day, that it you know it's just it's for fun. It's it, the, all, this job. That's what makes this job so awesome. Is we're just having fun. I mean, I view sports talk as having fun, and Homer, not Homer, this team, that team. I don't really get caught up in it. It's all for fun. Uh, but when I make these proclamations, it's not necessarily through my own ability. Sometimes it is, and maybe you just have a hunch or a gut feeling. But it's more through people that actually do it for a living, and they're the ones who are far more expert at it than I am. Now, we've been around enough that we ought to be able to have some idea who's good and who's not because just by sheer duration and length of watching practices and whatnot and games for so long as you and I have done, we can come to at least somewhat respectable conclusions about player XYZ. But for Wilson, it's more along the lines of people who know specifically what they're talking about told me. Then I take that information combine it with what I see because you have to see it yourself too and then you can go and make those not necessarily guesses but uh, more along the lines of having some knowledge behind it and people to tell me that you know the so-called it factor Wilson had it and I think and maybe it's the fan in me and I don't have any problem admitting it that it's the fan in me that wants to see him do well so I'm going to say he's going to be an excellent quarterback and we had a guy that you've known for a very long time uh, Robbie Bosco the other days a couple of weeks ago say that he thought he was going to be an exceptional quarterback so I'm going to hang my hat on that Gordon and I'm stating without hesitation Zach Wilson the AFC 2021 Rookie of the Year? Uh, I'm in San Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was long. I, it was a soliloquy, but it was not a ramble. I was on point the entire time. You were. You were. Let me say a couple things about uh, what you said. First of all, yeah, I know, uh, and, and people sometimes think we're just making stuff up, but I know you for all these years, and a lot of us, uh, we, we do talk with people. And it's interesting how coaches and others sometimes tell us things that are the straight-out truth that they won't say publicly. You oh, know? for sure, yeah. And then we can't out them by saying what right. they said because they told us off the record. And I know you do that on the reg. 
and uh, a lot of us do, or at least some of us do. So that, that that's an interesting deal where people say, well, this coach said this or that, you know, publicly. Well, you know, take that with a grain of salt. And uh, sometimes it's frustrating because we know what he said publicly, but we also know what was said directly to us by people who know. So anyway, that's uh, that's uh, and I don't have any problem with you, uh, you know, wanting a, a feel good story about some some kid who you saw play in the early years. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I just have a problem when it turns into bias one against another, that kind of thing. Yeah, I actually saw Bryce Harper play baseball when he was 12. Yeah. And I uh-huh. thought, okay, this kid's going to be something. Turns out he's not bad. It might be the rookie, or not the rookie of the year, the MVP this season. He's in contention for your Philadelphia Phillies. And so some kids you can identify early on. And then you you get into some information. And then that's really interesting about what you're saying about uh, coaches saying stuff. Because I could say stuff right now, right now, about BYU and Utah quarterback situation but I don't feel comfortable saying it right now because I have been told stuff pertaining to the quarterback competitions right now at both schools. But I, and even it was said to me in an off the record manner, but I don't even want to say it right now because I feel like that would give up guys. And the last thing you can call me a Homer all you want. I don't care, but don't ever say that I give up guys and I say something and attribute it to someone when that person did not want any attribution at all. Whether I'm a homer or not, I don't care what you think, but it is real important to me that newsmakers slash coaches, athletic directors, general front office people know full well that they can trust me 100%. That, to me, matters a trillion times more than if somebody thinks I root for the Cougars or Utes. The trust that I have built in my name, knowing if you you tell me something, it goes nowhere. It stays right here with me, never to be revealed under any circumstance. That is the most important aspect of my journalism career. So, PK, tell the truth. How many empires could you crush by telling the truth? You burn the te- you burn the city <laughs> down. I mean, we, it's funny. Sometimes people say, "Okay, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't repeat it." And I say, "Man, <laughs> look, there's a couple of guys in this town that know a whole lot about everything, but uh, you know, we can't we can't talk about it because it is it was told to us in confidence." Right. So, right. I mean that that happens, and that's a part of being. You know, you're a great reporter. You've always been. And that's a part of uh, sort of seeking uh, journalistic truth. It sounds a little highfalutin, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you're trying to find out what's really going on. And sometimes you have to wade through some stuff and keep some stuff to yourself in order to get, the, you know, the, the, the bigger flyover, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would say probably I would have revealed maybe 25 percent, 30 percent of what I know. Uh, because you, I just won't do it. I, I will not ever give up. And even if somebody, if I have an adversarial relationship with them, uh, I will not. And I've had people who've had adversarial relationships with who've told me stuff, and I won't give them up under no circumstance. It will never, ever happen. That's just not the way. That that credibility means more to me than anything I've ever said or written. The fact, that, And, in fact, I actually enjoy that I take a sense of pride that somebody who doesn't necessarily like me 
is still willing to tell me something because they know full well it goes nowhere. And so that's important to me. You know, the problem with you, Kinahan, is you don't even like yourself. I don't. And There's two things I don't like. One is me and one is you. And the DK answers that response. All I can tell you is, Coach, on on Christmas morning, I'm going to be opening presents with my kids, and you're going to be breaking down film. Well, sometimes you have to have you have to go back. And actually, I've found that if you go back at someone, that person ends up respecting you more because he. I don't know if he likes it, but he respects that you're willing to challenge him. <laughs> For those who don't know, we are talking about a big man who used to coach basketball at Utah. So uh, that, that's the inside story. A phenomenal there. coach. One of the, well, that's Rick Majerus, obviously, one of the most intelligent, if not the most intelligent coach that I've ever been around. It's a funny story. I was out golfing with my wife uh, a little while back, and we come up on a tee. And there's a foursome there, and I pull back. You know, you don't drive right up to them. If any of you do that, that's pathetic golf etiquette. You know, you're supposed to lay back if you should come upon a group that's on a tee. You don't pull right up there. But I pulled up enough to where I could hear them, and they were going on. Well, people complain about Majerus and blah, 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 blah. And he's just going on. And my wife whispers to me, if they only knew who was in the cart behind them. All the Majera stories we can tell. You know, PK, but that brings up an interesting thing. I I think it's interesting, and maybe some of your listeners do as well. But through your years of of studying sports and covering beats and coaches and players and teams, where do you draw the line between what you know and and your these confidences of which you speak? Because ultimately you are a penultimate kind of uh, reporter and you're, you're, you're looking for the truth because you want to present the truth to, uh, to your readers or your listeners. So where, where, how do you handle that? Well, it depends on how sensitive the information is. Now, I can remember uh, Majerus specifically. There was a player who, and this is, and it happened both schools, uh, BYU and Utah, because I've covered both schools, covered Utah State for uh, a season or two, too, in football. And it depends on what level of information, uh, how sensitive it is. Now, I remember Majerus telling me there was a kid who left his program, and he left his program for some personal reasons that were of no interest to the public. And he told me. He told me he laid it out, flat out, this is the deal. Now, And he said, now, you could run with this and really embarrass the kid and his family, or you could just let it go. And the way he presented it to me, this is a young, this is not a professional ball player we're talking about. You know, at the professional level, it's sort of uh, not quite, but sort of anything goes. We're at the college level. Now, these kids are now going to start getting paid, but back in the day, they weren't and got their scholarship, and that was it uh, if they were a scholarship player. Uh, so it depends on the information. And I remember him telling me, it was a very serious conversation we were having, and uh, he was basically imploring me, you know, just let it, let it go, let the kid go, and get on with his life. And I, I evaluated it, and I thought, Coach Majerus is 100 percent right in what he's telling me, and this does not need to be out in the public. There's other stuff that we vehemently disagreed upon that I made public, 
uh, and he was furious at me. And there was a player at BYU that, and I think I told you about it, uh, that uh, he was a player and he was practicing with the team. And then in the offseason, he was spending some weekends in a slammer for something that happened. And it was a very, uh, it was a sensitive subject, obviously. And if you knew the particulars of it, which were explained to me by someone at BYU with the intent, I'll tell you because A, I can trust you, and B, when you see the situation as it plays out, you will agree that this is not information that should be made public because it will harm a college athlete. It will embarrass him. It will embarrass his family. The player had since gotten married. It would embarrass his wife, his wife's family, all these things that were out there. Uh, you know, so what do you do think- on that? And, and that situation never revealed it. But then you got the situation with Nick Emery, which was revealed in great length that I had known about for weeks and months ahead, but I didn't think it was worthy to be revealed. You guys at the newspaper did. So that's a real interesting discussion because there are disagreements about what should be made public no question. and what shouldn't. But yeah. a lot of reporters, hardcore reporters, feel as though it's their duty to come forth with the truth. And it gets real complicated when when you have relationships involved. And PK, you and I have talked about this. You know, I mean, you're very well plugged in with many coaches, and some of whom are your friends. And so what do you do? How do you handle that? when you're reporting on somebody, uh, but but you have varying degrees of relationships with them. Some of them you're not really particularly fond of, and some of them are friends. So how, how do you handle that one, my friend? Well, I think it depends on what the news that you're reporting, uh, what, it, what is the point? You know, if, if uh, let's just take uh, Utah. Remember with... Uh, Joe Glenn, remember Kyle got all bent out of shape. Joe Glenn said during the week at the Wyoming uh, Student Union, "No, we're gonna we're gonna kick the, these guys' butts or something." And that yeah, was in the pepper. It was a pepper. Yeah, and that was in the in the early days of Kyle as a head coach. Where if you said Kyle, I don't like your hair today, he was ready to drop you. <laughs> you know, he was feisty and ornery, and he was ready to go. Right. So, what does he do? They're they're slaughtering him. Was it the start of the second half that he goes with the onside kick or something? Yeah, yeah and, they were up like yeah. thirty five. <laughs> right, right. So he does an onside kick, and Joe Glenn flips him off, and it was caught on television. Well, okay, then you come in. And I can remember I was asked that night to write something on it, and I wrote that that was a dumb thing to do. You shouldn't have onside kicked, and so what? He said it to the students at at a pep rally. Well, of course, we're going to go down to Salt Lake. Man, if we keep it within 30, we'll be happy. I mean, come on. You know what he's going to say. He's going to get fired up. It's a pep rally. It's in University of Wyoming. Uh, smallest fan base in, in the, the conference, one of the smaller ones. I mean, obviously they've got all sorts of uphill battles to overcome given their location and all that stuff. And so you, you, you shouldn't have done that. And Joe Glenn probably shouldn't have flipped him off, but nevertheless he did. So, and then we were doing the radio at the time. Then you come in here on, on Monday and said, oh, that, that was dumb. But at the time, you know, between the, the play and the um, time we got to broadcast Monday morning, Kyle had apologized. So in that 
situation, go at it. You know, go at it big time. But once it gets involved in personal stuff, uh, and I don't want to give up any more than that, and you know some stuff that that I know that took place and whatnot. So you got to understand. And we were, t- I was, I think I was just talking about that. Who was I talking about it with? I can't remember. Um, how you know it's an interesting di- uh, situation because uh, newsmakers slash coaches they they use the media, it, and yeah. sometimes you get played. And it's a give and take. And I've been played, and I admit I've been played sometimes. But that's the way it goes. You know, you got to go uh, do what you think is right, even though you're, you're getting played, but you're getting played for the extent of being able to have the news. So it's, it's a constant cat and mouse game that is played, and you use your best judgment in each situation and recognizing you're probably not going to be right 100% of the time. So... I know a couple of uh, coaches who you're really close to. It, I, I'll, I'll tell you the, my attitude about this. I have had some coaches uh, and players that I haven't really particularly cared for and, and coaches that I really like and players I like. So it's, it's, as a columnist and a commentator, it's a tricky business because you don't want to allow that to uh, come into play like you were talking about uh, with Kyle. And, and I, I, when I have these conversations with coaches, I say exactly what you just said, PK. I say, if you do something really dumb, I mean, I really like you. I like your personality. I, I like you as a person. But if you do something or if, you, if there's some news to break that uh, it doesn't necessarily shine a favorable light on you, uh, it has to be – it has to come to light, you know, if it's uh, an appropriate story. So – Anyway, uh, it, it is it is a balancing act, and it's always been that way in sports. You and I, going back many many years, know that guys are plugged in uh, with all kinds of coaches and players, and and it, but but ultimately, you do have to have a responsibility for the people you report to, which is namely listeners and readers. Oh yeah, no question about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, as long as your supervisors understand that, you're good to go. I'm just, in the final analysis, speaking with the legend, Gordon Monson, that you can hear him. It's right to, uh, on our station. It's 2 o'clock this afternoon. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that you don't think there's any question that the Jazz are going to win the NBA title in 2022. That, that blows no. me away, but that's your opinion. So, never you know, so be that. it. <laughs> never said that. <laughs> I never said that. Because <laughs> uh, I wouldn't bet, uh, I don't bet on sports, and I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on that. But I do think that the Jazz are pretty damn talented, and they have an opportunity to do something. But, I mean, when I look around, in order to win an NBA title, you know this, PK, you got to be good and you got to be lucky. I mean, everything, everything has to come together in just the right way. I'm not one of those guys that says, Oh, you know, the Jazz, just enjoy them for what they are. No, their job is to do everything they can to win a title. Uh, and, and, and fans deserve that, especially Jazz fans. They've been hanging with this team for a long, long time. Uh, but I'm not going to say they're going to do it because I 
in my heart, I, I don't believe that. But I think they've positioned themselves pretty well. Well, what I do know is I offered, because I came into a little money, and I offered to take you and your wife on a 10-day Mediterranean cruise next June, but you declined because you said, you know, I'm going to be busy covering the NBA Finals. So <laughs> I just I just took that information and assumed that you believe that the Jazz were going to win it all. Maybe I extrapolated a little bit more, but the fact is I was offering to pay for a 10-day Mediterranean cruise, and because of the timing, you respectfully, I might add, declined because you knew you would be extremely busy at that time, and you mentioned something. I was, I got close to you. You didn't really shout it. You sort of whispered it, but you mentioned something about being at the NBA Finals. There is, uh, there is one word that describes what you just said. And that's true. It's, it's the only swear word I've ever said <laughs> on the air. <laughs> Back in the day, and uh, it, well, let's just abbreviate it to BS. Big story, exactly, exactly. It's a big story. I agree, very much a big story. You've got your thoughts, you share them, you write them, you articulate them, and we appreciate them. On top of that, thanks for joining us this morning, Gordon. <laughs> you are so full of crap. Hey, and, uh, but, you know this whole this whole segment reminds me of the time I went to PK's birthday party, and uh, there were uh, there was a big crowd of people there. And uh, the time was turned over to him. And, PK, you, you gave a monologue that went on for a half an hour that uh, impresses me to this day. So uh, that's what this felt like. But I'm glad I could elicit this out of you. I, your listeners appreciate it. All right. Thanks for joining us, Gordon. Listen to you t- uh, this afternoon with Jake Scott at 2 o'clock. See you, man. All right. That's Gordon Monson. You can read him. At the Tribune, you can hear him right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone every Monday through Friday. The Godfather, Vito Monson, as we refer to him. When I get with him, I genuflect. That's a Catholic term for kneeling and kiss the back of his hand because he is the Godfather. There's no question about that. All right, what do you think? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Utah tight end Dalton Kincaid. Talk about Cam Rising and Charlie Brewer. I'm not asking you to pick favorites here. I'm just saying, you know, what are the strengths and what are these guys bringing to the table right now that, as Coach mentioned, this battle is neck and neck right now. I mean, in the spring, uh, you know, everyone kind of said, you know, Charlie's the guy, Charlie's the guy. And I know Cam's competitor, so I knew he's going to come back stronger than ever. And that's kind of where we're at right now is it's definitely neck and neck. I wouldn't be able to make a decision right now. I am more than confident in both of them being able to do the job, so I think it's just going to come down to it, and whoever can just be a, a playmaker and take over that offense. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, Yach, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Nice! Time to get a fill on one of those. I like that. We all got to move up a roll. I got to step up to be the leader because the snake dog is out on a soccer retreat, getting its kicks, trying to find a way to score, putting it in the back of the net. And I also think he's mourning the loss of Carly Lloyd, who's stepping aside here at 39 years of age. We wish her well. I stand with Carly Lloyd. See what I did there? Well done. Well done. 
<laughs> There'll be certain people who will get that, other people will not. <laughs> a fabulous career. I think she's going to hang it up uh, in October. The women's uh, league is when it's done. Uh, prolific, prolific, I say, goal scorer, Carly Lloyd. We're talking about at the top of the hour. I'm going to get with somebody from New Orleans, find out what is going on with their quarterback situation. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL Podcast, is going to be joining us. Is Taysom Hill going to start down in New Orleans? And if he does, that means BYU is going to have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL. What does that mean for BYU? And that's during the independent era. Oh, I think Taysom probably was recruited. He might have been recruited as a whack player. I'm not sure. Certainly as a Mountain West player. These guys get old on us when they go on missions and do all that stuff. And uh, so two quarterbacks in the in the independent era starting in the NFL, if that happens. And I'm certainly rooting for Taysom to start. He was a good kid. I mean, most of the 99% of these kids that we cover in college are just great kids. And you enjoy being around them. I had the opportunity the other day. We played it this morning. Uh, Clark Phillips interviewed him, uh, cornerback for University of Utah. You want to talk about a kid that you can get behind? I don't care who you are, man. Listening to him talk about why he's here at University of Utah and how he's taken 18 hours to try to graduate in less than three years. How do you, how do you not support that, man? I think, of course you do. All right, he may play for the other team, and you don't want him to have a pick six against you on September 11th. I understand all that. But as far as human beings, can't you get behind him? This kid's a great representative of what, what we need out of young people. We, be, we all benefit from that, right? I think we do. So I was asking, Utes and Cougars, do you have animosity towards kids when they go on and play professionally? Is there going to be BYU fans that if Tyler Huntley should get in the game, you're going to root against him? Or are there going to be Ute fans that Taysom Hill, you don't want to see him start? Taysom Hill, who had what? What do he have, 14 season-ending injuries at BYU? And here he is still overcoming them all to play in the NFL? And BYU having two starting quarterbacks if it comes to that? Can you get behind that? What does it mean for the Cougars if they have two starting quarterbacks in the NFL? That's a nice selling point for other folks as far as recruiting. And that's and, and I'm writing about that. Uh, I just gave it to Yaki. He'll post it on 1280 The Zone. And uh, my buddy Josh Furlong over at KSL.com will post it later this morning. To me, this Built Bar and the Built Brands thing that they did, I think the best thing about it was is that – it it, it it sells the program, the athletic program. And I know, what's his name, Nick Green, co-founder, he was talking about, he had a press conference on Friday. Nick Greer. Greer, excuse mm-hmm. me, Greer. Uh, and he was talking about uh, how uh, what he wants to do is advocate for the whole rather than the individual. And we see that with Alabama. This Bryce Young has already got, Nick Saban said, almost a million dollars in endorsements. And great, good for him. Sweet, way to go. Uh but what about the rest of us? You know, the little guy. I consider myself a little guy. And Mr. Greer was talking about that, about, uh, you know, maybe he used the uh, examples of women's volleyball and men's golf. And can they get something? And we can promote these young people who are doing such fantastic work. 
And they are some of the best that we have. And he was talking about how they're future leaders. All right, I can buy all that. Yeah, get behind these kids and support them. If you can support them financially, if you have businesses uh, and sponsor them, we'll see what happens. And that's a great thing. A great thing about it, you know, for the walk-ons, they get the equivalent cost of tuition. That's good for them. And then the scholarship players get an extra $1,000. Uh, money can come and go. But I think it sends a message that uh, BYU's in to play the game, and here's the game to be played, which includes uh, some type of financial remuneration, and we'll see what other things happen going forward and who does what. Uh, So I'm excited for that and the opportunity. As BYU strives to get into a P5 conference, I think they need to be in. I think they should be in, and they have offers. They have things that they can offer, things that they can sell, things that other conferences can benefit so we'll see about that. And we wish Zach Wilson well, Taysom Hill well, and whoever it might be. Tyler Huntley, what a success story, man. Kid from Florida coming all the way out to Utah, graduating. Let's not forget that. Graduating, getting a degree, not getting drafted, but making the team as a free agent uh, with Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to get behind that. I'm going to support that. Gets an opportunity to play. Maybe he doesn't play, but he makes the team great. Uh, receives that money. All right. DJ and I had an opportunity to be with a player that I believe is going to play in the NFL, has a great opportunity, that is Utah tight end, Brant Keithy, and we spent some time with him, and we'll play that for you next. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend OC, Sean O'Connell. What are you hearing about Utah's quarterback race? How close is it really? I think this is Charlie Brewer's team, and that's a reversal from what I was seeing and hearing coming out of spring ball. A lot of the conversation was, look, just wait. Cam Rising won the job last year. Cam Rising is going to win the job again. And I think Charlie Brewer's development with the receivers and the voluntary workouts and tight ends of the voluntary workouts, his leadership on this team, I I do believe this is going to be Charlie Brewer's job. But we'll see, because Cam Rising's obviously playing well enough that this coaching staff is not ready to declare anything just yet. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. It's almost 9 o'clock on this Tuesday, August 17th morning appreciate you listening to us all this time and today college football is in the air for sure and one of the guys who's going to be on the receiving ends of those footballs that are going to be in the air no matter who's throwing them for the u of u is going to be tight end brand keithy who is a star in the making andy ludwig is a great offense coordinator knows how to put him in the position to succeed and we saw it Two years ago, last year, we saw it a little bit, obviously only in five games, didn't see enough of it, and we hope to see it this year in the 15 games that the University of Utah will play, which of course includes the two playoff games and the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, that'd be something. That'd be a great story. Would love to see it. Here's DJ and PK speaking with the tight end of the University of Utah, one of the tight ends, Brant Keithy. Different is it this year the way you guys have moved through quarterbacks? I mean, you played five games last year, yeah. three different quarterbacks, and now you got a transfer who could be the guy, maybe Cam Will, but you only got 14 snaps with him. Yeah. How much does that matter as you work with all these different quarterbacks? Uh, I don't think it really matters much. Uh, we're just all getting work, and quarterbacks can rotate through groups each day. So we get you get work, and especially for the summer, um, we, we get a tremendous amount of work day in, day out. We're throwing about five, six days a week. So, I mean, 
there's that little camaraderie and getting like infused together as a team. But um, I wouldn't say it's really any different. I mean, Cam has been here for a little bit longer. He knows the offense and it kind of clicks better for him. But Charlie's doing a great job, and I'm just excited for the competition. Okay, so you've been here too, so you have a relationship with Rising. You're developing one with Brewer, but you got a couple other guys that are transfers at, at the receiver. Uh, how about their development? Do you think that that is something that is a work in progress and, and maybe needs a little more time than somebody like you who's been in the program for a while? Uh, I would say yes and no. Um, development, development, maybe not. Um, it's just getting used to this offense, getting used to this team. A lot of guys come from different programs and some different perspective on a lot of different things, but um, I think with this fall camp, it's definitely going to help them mold into the players that they want to be, and uh, a lot of the transfers are looking good right now. I'm just excited for week three and week four in fall camp. So do you see that a lot when you're watching film early on? Guys have their way of doing things based on whatever they were taught at their last college or their high school, and when you watch on film, you're like, yeah, I'm in my third year. That's not that's in how this staff wants it. Uh, I would say at the beginning, yes, uh, especially when during the summer when we were just running routes and kind of doing our own thing. Uh, yeah, but as, as soon as we get out there and all the coaches out there and we're, we kind of get a sense of uh, this is how things should be ran. It's getting a lot better each day and each day and out. It's, it's getting a lot more crisp, and uh, I can see those guys kind of having a clicking in their brain that this is how it should be ran. So as far as the program goes, all the tight ends are at least top three are veterans in the program and veterans under Andy Ludwig's offense. Do you think, Demi, that could help you guys as far as the tight end position to really be effective? Uh, for sure. I would say from year one, uh, we were effective, but uh, it, it, it is our fourth year in and uh, getting all those guys back and the uh, the connection that we have is, is different than anybody else in the country and I, I do truly believe that our tight end group is probably the best, if not the best tight end uh, group in the country and it's just great because um, we can kind of do it all. We can run block, we can pass block, and we can run routes. So, and on some some, some occasions we can run the ball also. But um, I think that gives us a huge different different dimension and any, anywhere else in the country is that we can kind of do anything and no one else can. You took that. You took my next question away. I thought you were going to leave out running the ball. <laughs> how, how big a rush is that when you? Because on a pass play, maybe you have an idea you're getting the ball, but on a run, you know you're getting the ball. How different is that for you? Uh, it's a little bit different. It's kind of just thinking all the things, but it kind of just my mind goes blank, and this is what I have to do. And as soon as I get the ball, I just have to see what happens, see downfield. So you had a breakout season a couple years ago. Last year was haywire for everybody. But the point being is you got on the radar a little bit. You might have had an opportunity to do something else, but you chose to, to stay here and, and continue. What went into that decision-making? Uh, for sure, it's just we've been to Pac-12 twice, and South Champs is really not enough. Uh, both years, it's kind of came up short, and last year going three and two, it's just didn't, it kind of left a bad taste in our mouths at the end of the year, and especially that last game, just we just didn't play how we really wanted to, and just uh, it kind of came up and talked to some of the guys, and just uh, our main focus is going to Pac-12 Championship, and after that, they can just take care of the rest, but uh, that's our main goal right now is Pac-12 Championship. So when Kyle Whittingham says there's a lot of similarities between this team and the 2019 team, as far as talent, leadership, number of guys he thinks will either be drafted or at least go to camps as free agents in the NFL, do you see all of that? For sure, yeah. We have a tremendous amount of talent, especially our transfers coming in, and uh, I think with both of these quarterbacks, we can we can definitely do something this year, most definitely, and especially with the talent we have at the tight end position, receivers, O-line, we have a lot of people coming back and we do have a
with a lot of young faces, but um, I think a lot of the young guys are going to have to step up and help, and I think they're going to be able to do that. What specifically do you think you need to work on? I would say definitely my uh, my blocking. Just my blocking hasn't gotten to where I needed to get the past couple of years, and also I just got to crisp up everything in my route running and kind of this, the coverage disguises and all that stuff. Just learning the ins and outs of the game. So when you say quarterbacks plural, you just complimented both of them there. Some of that has to be being politically correct with the media, but some of that you might also actually believe. Two years ago, I think there was a sense we got to keep Tyler Huntley healthy. Yeah. And you still want to keep your starter healthy, whoever it is, but do you have the feeling that if you have to go to a second quarterback, there won't be much of a drop-off? I don't think there's going to be a drop-off, if any, because uh, both these guys are looking great. They both can run the ball. Both can sling it. Not afraid to throw it. And uh, I think this year, if we do pass more, it's, it's going to be a hell of a game each year. Yeah. <laughs> Since you're you're out there, you're you're sort of a marked man now. You can't really catch anybody by surprise like you may have done a couple of years ago. How much do you need to be aware that you're going to be a focal point going, particularly in conference games, obviously, that people are, are going to be defending, game planning to defend you? Yo, know, I mean, just like last year, uh, probably every other play I was getting double covered, and that just leaves an opportunity for someone else to get open. So I, I'm not going to really complain much about that, and it's kind of honestly a compliment if some, guy, if some teams are going to put two on me. It's, it's going to be fine, but once they put one-on-one coverage, I, I'm not sure anybody else can cover me in, in this league. Yeah, but you want stats, don't you? Yeah, I do, but uh, <laughs> I also do want to win, so I, I'm okay with giving up some stats to win. Well, I mean, just to be perfectly blunt, NFL scouts, if they see you getting doubled all the time, they know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looks good on tape, too. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely say that's just the ultimate focus is going to the Pac-12 Championship and winning game, each game, one game at a time. You anticipated moving and being slotted at different spots in the field because that's what you have been. Yeah, um, I would say I'm going to do it all. I'm not going to really give away anything that we're going to do, but um, I would say I'm going to be moving everywhere. Uh, you guess, I'll probably be there too. It's just I'm I kind of that guy that moves around, and I don't like being stagnant in one position, so I would expect I'm going to be moving around a lot this year. There you go. That's Brad Keithy. Yeah, I actually love it when they move him around and they put him in different spots. Because he's spectacular, man. He can even run the ball a little bit. I mean, he's got all sorts of agility and athletic talent, right? So he can he can do a lot of different stuff for you. So, uh, and Andy Ludwig, I think, uh, is a master at putting this kid in a position to succeed. All right, coming up next, we're going to head down to the bayou, man. Find out what is going on with the quarterback situation with the New Orleans Saints. Is Taysom Hill going to start? Be the second. BYU Cougar to be the starting quarterback in the NFL this season. Stay with us. We'll get to that next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Good Tuesday morning to you. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and the Locked On NFL podcast, is joining us. And he's coming to us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the only solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Well, Ross, we want to know what you know about the quarterback situation because we have a vested interest up here in Utah. Taysom Hill is one of our guys. What is going on hey really good morning to you appreciate you having me on yeah it's a very uh, interesting conversation going on down in uh, new orleans when it comes down to this quarterback conversation and this competition between these two and you know I'll, I'll start off with a quick tease for you i think Taysom hill's holding his own and he's a little bit more in the conversation than i've been maybe some folks might have expected at this point in the offseason Okay, so they've had one uh, practice game. They've only got three this year down from one as they increase the 
uh, amount of pre, uh, regular season games up one to 17. And, you know, we, we have a vested interest, as I say. And I was interested in what Sean Payton said that after the game, I think it was, that he's not making any quarterback comparisons now. And it was somewhat of an up-and-down performance by both quarterbacks, Hill and Jameis Winston. Why do you think Payton said what he said? I think that the six turnovers in that game had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, two of them, or rather, yeah, two of them happening, or rather one of them actually happening after the, you know, Jameis and Taysom possessions. You had uh, three running back fumbles during their possessions, and then you each had both of those quarterbacks throwing an interception. And, you know, in each case, I think you can give a little bit of blame to the quarterbacks. You can give a little bit of blame to the receivers as well. It's a bit more of a shared responsibility on both of those interceptions. So for me, one of the reasons why Sean Payton might say, look, I'm not making these comparisons immediately after the game is because, first of all, he was steaming after that game with six turnovers. And then the other part of it is that it's tough to sort of have that initial response to it without being able to go back and look at the tape and try to you know, mitigate and even the playing field as best as you can between these two guys and then make comparisons on the 12 throws that they threw throughout this game. I'll tell you that as I went through and rewatched the game, I thought that Jameis had the better performance, but I don't know that he did nearly enough to really distance himself from Taysom Hill. Every time that Jameis Winston has pulled a little bit ahead of Taysom, he has found his way back into the conversation with a great performance in camp, showing his additional abilities, which we don't get to see and didn't get to see in preseason, which are the design runs. He's a you know a little bit frantic as a scrambler, but the design runs and everything that he can do with the ball in his hands are undeniable. So there's always going to be that sort of looming over this comparison as well. Yeah, just judging from watching, it did seem like Winston had the edge on that. I don't know how much you put on one single preseason game as opposed to every right. day in practice, and then combined with what is ahead, because they still have a number of practices and the two preseason games to go before they even get into game week. With that in mind, how long do you think the competition will go before a quarterback is named? Sean Payton has said he wants to get at least the first two preseason games in and being able to evaluate then both of the preseason games as well as practice and camp, putting it all together and then doing you know their evaluation based upon that. Every day after training camp practices, these guys get handed a sheet of paper, essentially a report card on their day that lets them know, here's what you did well here's what we're going to be working on, here's what you need to improve, so on and so forth. And so some of the things that they'll notch there, of course, are the pretty common things that you would that you would think of for a quarterback was the accuracy, timing, anticipation, but also command of the huddle, ability in and out of the huddle, command of the line, making the right reads, field progression, sort of the more nuanced pieces of the quarterback position, composure under pressure, things like that. So I think that the idea is to get two of these preseason games in, get both of these guys opportunities against, you know, with, with first first team reps and with second and third team reps, and then get them there to where they're going up against guys that they don't see every day in other jerseys, and then be able to make an evaluation based upon that in time for them to utilize game three of the preseason the way that they would usually utilize game three of the preseason, which is a bit more of a dress rehearsal for week one. So we could have an idea of what this offense will look like and who the quarterback will be going into the third preseason game, though I would be willing to bet that Sean Payton won't publicly announce anything until game week for week one. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL podcast, joining us. I had to laugh when 
Taysom was first making his mark in the NFL because we saw him play here. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you saw that Texas game, either home and away for that matter, when they, I was there down in Austin when uh, covering the game for the station and he hurdles the kid and I think he ran for 200 plus yards when they played up in Provo. And, and so seeing people get excited because he had a four yard run in the NFL to me at, was like, well, duh. This, if, you just, <laughs> if you just had a raw athletic competition, Taysom Hill is going to be in the top half, if not the top 5%. He's an incredible athlete. But, mm-hmm. you know, I admit that question, if he could be an NFL starting quarterback, just because you're a phenomenal athlete, Tom Brady, as we know, is not w- winning any sprinting races, but nevertheless is a phenomenal quarterback. So with that in mind, he's had a number of opportunities to play at, uh, you know, a, a smaller level, obviously not as a full-timer. Uh, didn't play two years ago when Bridgewater went in when uh, Breeze got hurt, but then this past season Hill did play. Uh, is he viewed, or do you view him as an NFL quarterback who can lead a team to the playoffs? Because the Saints, they're about getting to the postseason, not and winning in the postseason really with Drew Brees. I mean, they have had a really good history. Is Hill that type of quarterback? Yeah, I would say that I view their perception of him, the organization's perception of him, as that quarterback. Otherwise, he wouldn't be as you know tight in this conversation as he is. And I think that one of the things that we don't do enough, whether it be you know in in New Orleans media or even national media elsewhere, is give Taysom Hill credit for the fact that the player that he was in college and early on in the NFL was exactly that player who would run for 200 yards, had the big 40-yard scramble against the Atlanta Falcons, is running over linebackers, all of that. Now, all of a sudden, we're legitimately talking about him being in a true and earnest quarterback competition to be the starting quarterback for, a, for an NFL franchise. That's a remarkable development and remarkable sort of growth that you've seen from him to be able to change his body, to be able to make adjustments to how he worked, back shoulder type work as opposed to working on front side muscles. Like everything that he has done over the course of this offseason and really over the course of the last couple of years has put him on this trajectory. That's a lot of hard work to be able to do that. We hear about players transitioning from wide receiver to DB or from uh, you know, wide receiver to running back or running back to wide receiver. I mean, all of those transitions tend to be a little bit more casual than a transition from a se- effectively being a team's second or third option at tight end to now being able to compete earnestly at the quarterback position. Do I think that Taysom Hill is somebody that can lead the New Orleans Saints to, a, to the playoffs? I do. I believe that Jameis Winston can as well. And it might not happen the first year. I don't think that it could ha- that it would happen the first year. But I do think that with Sean Payton, with this offense, with the coaching staff, with the weapons that they have, particularly if they can retain a healthy Michael Thomas going into 2022, then all of the pieces are there so that the Saints can do what they did with Drew Brees: build a ro- build essentially a car around a quarterback that can drive them, that can drive that quarterback to wins, and then also be driven by the quarterback to wins. And that's going to be an important piece how they continue to build out the rest of the roster around whichever quarterback they choose to move ahead with. Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL Podcast, joining us here on DJ and PK. Uh, One of the things that I think is interesting that I don't know, maybe it even works against Taysom, is if he is the starting quarterback, then he can't play all those other positions, which he adds value to the team. Obviously, Sean Payton put him in the position to succeed a number of different positions, and he did. Does that work against him, his ability and versatility to play these other positions? 
I think it can. I mean, the, the idea that the New Orleans Saints have always moved forward with when it comes to their offense is putting the 11 most talented players out on the field at the same, at the same time. That's their focus. And so that's one of the reasons why you're seeing guys like Ty Montgomery who, you know, lined up at running back at the end of last season, now moving back over to wide receiver because they want to get him out on the field at the same time they're getting players like Latavius Murray and, of course, Alvin Kamara. So I think that that does work against Taysom Hill a bit, and that is a bit of the perception that he has to be able to sort of persevere against and overcome in order to be able to take that starting quarterback position and really walk away with a win. For both of these quarterbacks, Jameis Winston has to overcome the fact that Taysom Hill is adored by this organization and has been in the organization over time and just sort of deserves the opportunity in that sense. Taysom Hill has to overcome his own perception as being more than just a quarterback, and or I don't want to say just a quarterback, but doing more than just throw the ball, throw passes. He's a runner. He's a pass catcher. He's a blocker. He's all of these. He's a special teamer. He's a tackler. I mean, he's all of these incredible things just as an athlete. So they both have something massive to overcome when it comes to doing what it takes to win this quarterback competition. Therefore, their performances need to leave no doubt. I didn't see either of them leave no doubt on Saturday. Hopefully, we'll see that up against Jacksonville. So, if Winston wins it, do they just use Taysom the way they used him with Drew Brees? It's an interesting conversation because he slimmed down quite a bit. Not not a ton. I mean, we're talking about five or six pounds. But the work that he did maybe takes him out of maybe some of those special teams plays takes him out of some of those blocking assignments perhaps but you could still use him as a pass catcher you could still use him as a runner so his role might change and be a little bit different than what you saw during his time with Drew Brees but I would imagine that he would go back to being that sort of offensive weapon that Swiss Army knife being able to use him in line as a true Y, but not really putting him in a ton of blocking assignments on linebackers or defensive linemen, maybe utilizing him more from the slot as well. The Saints are going to need the hands if they can find them at pass catcher without Michael Thomas and potentially without Deontay Harris. Taysom Hill could be a big-time big addition for you in that sense and help supplement some of that. So I, I would imagine that there would be some push to get him back on the field and keep him on the field at that capacity. You know whether or not Taysom really wants to do that. If he believes that he can move on from the Saints after this year and get a starting quarterback opportunity elsewhere, then maybe that factors in. But at least what the Saints showed him last year when they had him come in and be the starter for those four games after Drew Brees is that they're willing to take him out of that role to use him as a backup quarterback and have him go in and still win games for the New Orleans Saints. So I would expect to see a push towards that with an understanding that he would still be the guy that they would turn to if they needed to replace a quarterback for multiple games again. Sean Payton is really known as a great offensive mind. Do you think that the Saints feel like, hey, no matter what, we've got two guys that are capable, and with Sean Payton's ability to put them in a position to succeed, we can be okay? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think that this organization trusts Sean Payton uh, extremely well, and I think for for good reason. I mean, you've had a few losing seasons with Sean Payton, but you're now – you know, four-time back-to-back NFC South champions, division champions, four-time back-to-back uh, playoff, uh, you know, uh, opponents and, and contenders. And, and I think that that was with a Drew Brees that the New Orleans Saints were sort of re- reshaping their offensive attack around during that time. And so you've seen now Sean Payton over the last couple of years win with Drew Brees of old, Drew Brees of recent, uh, Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater all under center. 
And so I think that with all of that, you look at Sean Payton's ability to be able to scheme, particularly be able to scheme wide receivers, his ability to be so successful on a scripted first 15, and his ability to be able to close out halves with a score. And then the defense's ability over the past few years to be very stout, particularly in the second half. So if you're able to build that momentum, because Sean Payton is so good at scheming up those two-minute drills at the end of halves, if you're able to build that momentum on the offensive side at the end of a half and then shut down a team's opposing offense on the defensive side, which remains to be seen in 2021 because this defense took a lot of losses, then I think that there's enough around these quarterbacks to believe that either one of them could be successful in Sean Payton's system and as a company but Dennis Allen's defense. So we know Payton is a great offensive mind, and he likes Jimmy Buffett, so we know he's way cool too, don't we? That's right. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. I've always said that, actually. I've always said that. <laughs> All right. Well, Ross, we appreciate your insight, and we'll look forward and see what happens in New Orleans. Will Taysom Hill win that job? Thanks for joining us. Hey, absolutely. Uh, Big-time pleasure, PK. Appreciate you having me on. Y'all take care. Stay safe. All right, you too. That's Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints and Locked on NFL Podcasts. It's going to come down to the wire. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, will Taysom win the starting job? And if he doesn't, you know, that's an interesting concept. Does he want to be out on the field doing these other things, or does he want to be viewed as an NFL starting quarterback? His time is here. If it's not now, well, then next year, does he move on? It seems like there's always a number of teams that need NFL quarterbacks, NFL teams, obviously, and then in that position, uh, does somebody else take a fly on him, or is he going to be a saint? And is he going to... I'm saying, now, this is just from a great, great distance, I'm saying they go with him, that he wins the job, because I think that... I think Sean Payne's enamored with him. Picking him up off the when he was let go by the Packers. Uh, well, so. he wasn't let go. He was put on their practice squad, and he swooped in and said, okay, if you're not going to put him on the active right. roster, I'm going to scoop him up. Right. So he had his eye on him yeah. for a while, and he had a fair amount of success in limited action last year. Uh, so can he build upon that? Can he be accurate as a passer? And really, as I analyze the situation, I think the accuracy of the passing game is where it's going to be. Because we know he can do all the other stuff. And, you know, and then we wonder, is he going to be, how's his health going to be? Uh, because when he was in college, and we saw that, those two Texas games are prime examples, if something wasn't there, he could take off and there probably wasn't maybe more than one or two guys out on the field who had a chance to catch him uh, unless they had some great angles and the sideline was to their advantage as an additional tackler, so to speak, because the kid it really is a phenomenal athlete. So how does that work in the NFL? Well, it's probably not to the same level of where he can just blow by everybody and be the best athlete on the field because I think that in most, certainly when he was growing up up there in Idaho and then in even most games at BYU played, he was the best overall athlete out on the field. Uh, he's one of the better ones in the NFL, but you know what does that mean? A quarterback is a position where not necessarily the number one attribute certainly isn't your overall athleticism. It's your ability to read and pinpoint accuracy, put the ball where it needs to be, adjust on the fly, do all those types of things. And it's not like Winston has just dominated in that category either, right? Obviously, Tampa Bay let him go. 
And so they are locked in that battle. But I, I kind of get the impression that Peyton wants Hill to win the job. But he's got to win it. I don't think he's going to hand it to him just because I like you. I think he's going to have to win it. And if he can win it, I don't think they have any problem going with him. And then it'll be fascinating to see. Because i got to admit, man, I had my doubts. I had my doubts. I can remember BYU announced that Taysom was going to be the starting quarterback. And right after that, I was down there for that day in Provo when they made that announcement. And they said, hey, one of the, one of the guys at BYU said, you know, probably uh, Mangum is the better thrower. But uh, we just feel like Taysom can help us win more at this time. Now, it turns out one guy makes the NFL, the other guy doesn't. So even at that, and it was somewhat of a race, they were unsure uh, that they really had the best passer. Well, turns out they probably did. What does that mean at the NFL level? Fascinating to see if Hill can do it. I'd love to see for him to do it, uh, overcoming so much. And I think it's good for BYU. It can help them as they continue to recruit and quarterback and get a tradition, and then get a tradition. And I think they have an opportunity to get uh, restored at quarterback because I think Aaron Roderick, I think that he's going to want to take more chances than the Jeff Grimes offense did. Jeff Grimes a whole offensive lineman, right? What offensive linemen love to do, they love to dominate and run block, and they love to flatten you. You know, pass blocking, that's for sissies, isn't it? Run blocking, that's where the man in you comes out, right? And you can dominate the the dudes across the side, the line of scrimmage from you. But I think A-Rod doesn't approach that. If you look at his body, I'm confident in saying Aaron Roderick never played offensive line in any type of organized football, even unorganized football, right? He's a smaller guy. But I also think that he wants to take chances. Now, I don't think he's going to be of the line of uh, what a win by nine, not by two type thing. He's not going to be careless. I'm not saying that by any stretch. But I think he's looking for ways to get the ball downfield. So going forward here, they have an, my point that I'm making is they have an opportunity to establish themselves at quarterback, particularly among the LDS quarterback, which it seems like I don't know, Yach, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like every three or four years, there is a real hot shot LDS quarterback out there. Uh, even more often than that. I think it's more often than that? Because I can, I can think of in the last, let's say, two recruiting classes, there has been at least one name that's popped up. And coming up in the 2022 class, there are two guys I can think of in Southern California who are both members of the faith that are both hot shot quarterbacks. And they've got their eyes all over them. Yeah. And one kid, Javance Tupawata Johnson. Yeah. And the other one, I think it's Nick Iamalavea. Yeah. They're, and, they're both Polynesian. And they want both of those guys. They're recruiting both of those guys. And if both of those guys were to commit, they would take them in a heartbeat. But the point being that the idea you come to BYU and it could be a little bit of the BYU of old. And especially if Zach Wilson goes on and have success. You know, it was A-Rod and Fessy Sataki who were responsible largely for getting him to BYU and then developing them. And interestingly, if you don't believe me, uh, Zach Wilson took four coaches back to the NFL draft. Care, head coach at Corner Canyon, who was an absolute genius of an offensive mind. Absolute genius offensive mind. 
There's no question about it. I'd put him up with anybody. I don't care what level. This guy knows offensive football like anybody that I've ever met. And then I'd go, and he also took Fessy Sataki, Aaron Roderick, and Kalani. So Fessy and Aaron were back there. Uh, and obviously that's in tribute to what they did to help develop Zach Wilson. So BYU has an opportunity to establish themselves at quarterback. Stay with us. We'll get you caught up on what you missed, may have missed. Stay with us right here at 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join hands and Scotty Thursday at Ochre Mountain Pharmacy from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And Ochre Mountain Pharmacy's address is 3665 South 8400 West, Suite 120, and that is in Magna. All right, man. Magna out by the airport. Yeah, absolutely. Good old Magna. Love me some Magna. Love me some football, too. Basketball, baseball, you name it. And we got it all. It's a great time to be alive, is it not? Great time to be in sports radio. Really, a lot of things happening. This offseason, a so called offseason after the Jazz got beat by the Clippers, it just doesn't seem as long. And now the anticipation with each day. Anticipation is growing larger and larger, bigger and bigger as college football is coming upon us. The Utes checking in at number 24 in the Associated Press poll. I thought they'd be a tad higher. I thought they would be between 15 and 20 myself. And the reason why I say that, and I've said it, I think, and then these are done, Associated Press is media folk, right? Obviously, we got the coaches poll, and there's some debate whether the coaches actually do it or staff members do it. Depends on the guy, I guess. But the media is just that. And I believe that, my gosh, every time you hear about the University of Utah, there's nothing but praise. You know what they're going to get. They're so well coached. They're tough. They're disciplined. They're smart. Blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. They're underrated. The fact is they're not underrated. They're rated all the time. They're given the benefit of the doubt. And I guess Kyle's earned the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's one of the longest tenured coaches, right? Him and Shaw are right at the top in the conference. Everybody else has changed over, if not once, twice, three, four times. I think the Sun Devils will have a change here very soon. Probably not this season. What I heard is possibly, you know, let Herm resign in somewhat of dignity after the season. And speaking of that, the Devils are 25th. Now, the cool thing about it is the conference is getting some respect, right? It's got uh, how many teams? Four teams in there? Four teams overall. Oregon 11, SC 15, Utes 24, Devils 25. So that's three of the six in the south. And one in the north. I think Washington should be ranked. I think Washington will be ranked at some point in the season. Uh, they're my team. 
I picked them to win the North. Oregon, you know, they've got a situation there. Uh, Brown is the transfer of quarterback. And then there's a kid named Thompson, Ty Thompson. And he's thick and thick, neck and neck, I guess is what Kyle says. Neck and neck here for Utah. Well, reading up and what I try to do is uh, keep abreast of what everything is going on, what's going on in the Pac-12. It's easy to do with the Internet these days as opposed to when we first got into the radio business. It was much harder. <clears throat> well, now all you got to do is log on and fire it up and away you go. And I try to look at this stuff day to day, particularly where there are quarterback battles going on in the conference. And at Oregon, with this Brown played last year, so he's not a first-year transfer. But Thompson's a kid out of the Phoenix area. Of course, he was the number one recruit in the state of Arizona, which pretty much seals that he won't play football in the state of Arizona. The only time he'll do that is when his team, wherever he may go, if they should play in the state, that's it. Uh, but he's in the running and he's receiving serious consideration, which makes me kind of wonder, okay, a first-year freshman? Yeah, and you can have spring ball and all that, but still, man, they call him true freshman. I call him first-year freshman. Uh, is that who you want? Is that a division winner? Is that a conference winner? A f- freshman quarterback? Not a redshirt freshman quarterback? Not a transfer freshman quarterback? A first-year kid? Just barely removed from high school? Makes me wonder. The point I'm making is makes me wonder how good Oregon is going to be. How good is Brown if he's being pushed by a kid who's only been there for a few weeks, relatively speaking, as opposed to you got in there last year and played some. As you were behind that Shuck kid, of course, was, and now he's at Texas Tech. He's another Arizona kid who left a dime a dozen. All those kids who leave from down there. How good would those teams be if they kept those guys home? Yeah, it'd be a lot better, man. I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. incredible how much talent is being yeah. pumped out of that valley. Yeah, there's just no no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, believe me, it wears on you. Uh, that's why you've, you you if you're a Sun Devil fan, at least for me, you're basically resigned to five and four, four and five in, in conference, and then they're non-conference. I um, mean, you could schedule three wins if you want. Or if you want to play a tougher schedule, you can go one and two, two and one, whatever it might be. I sort of look at the the conference season as the true barometer as far as uh, how good you were. A Rich Rod would like to schedule three dogs for Arizona, get half his bowl eligibility out of the way before we got to the second, third week of September. And so you could do that if that's what you're interested in. So I don't really count, put a whole lot of stock into that, uh, depending on what your schedule might be. And pretty much everybody, except SC. SC and UC Los Angeles, I don't think they play like the big skies of the world. What is that, the FBS or the FCS? I don't remember. FCS is uh, big skies of the world and uh, nothing against them. But when they're going up against the SBS, the FBS should be able to win. Simple as that. I know Mike Leach had some issues in uh, Pullman, which was always entertaining because then he would blast the team. Leach is well-known for taking a lot of the credit, and then when the team loses, letting the team have it publicly, right? So rankings are out in Utah. Man, Kyle continues to pump them up. I find it really, really fascinating. He is not backing down from what he thinks about this team and how good it could potentially be. We'll see how it plays out for sure, yeah. Some other stuff going on. Jazz Summer League, last chance. Last chance to see GS basketball until uh, the end of October. I haven't seen it. The schedule's not out for this season, is it? 
NBA? I haven't seen it. The NBA yeah. just announced that the national TV schedule uh, will be announced actually today at 1 o'clock. That'll be like the Christmas Day games, opening day, but the full schedule is still to be released. So 1 o'clock our time or East? 1 o'clock our time, 3 o'clock Eastern. Okay, so we'll see who's going to play Christmas Day. We'll see if Yak is working Christmas Day. Sweet. <laughs> Mrs. Hatch will be real happy about that one. <laughs> well, let her know it's the business you've chosen, man. I've uh, I've been out of the country on Thanksgiving Day working. I've worked Christmas Day. Uh, this is not a, a, an eight to five job by any stretch. And actually, I'm I, I'm grateful for my wife because she has put up with a lot of bizarre working hours over the years, man. And when I worked for the Daily Breeze down in Torrance, California, in the South Bay. You wouldn't know your schedule until like 10 days before they'd post a schedule for some of us. And I was one of those guys, if you're working some desk, as they called it, putting out the paper. And you wouldn't have, for for years, I did not have split days off. I mean, I had split days off. I did not have consecutive. Consecutive days off. Yeah, Yeah, so I would have like a Tuesday and a Thursday or a Monday and a Wednesday or a Monday and a Thursday. Those would be your days off. And you just, if you didn't like it. You're free to quit. <laughs> I don't know how many people... I've, t- I've told some people this, but the same month I started working with you two, I moved over from the previous show I was working on, the exact same month I met my now wife. So she is literally, from the day she met me, not known me to be doing early morning sports radio. And she's put up with a lot in that time. Yeah. And I'm with you that, thankful she's still hanging around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to joke on... Uh, I mean, I worked every weekend. And even here when I came to the Watchdog... Uh, most every weekend too, uh, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday. Uh, yeah, uh, the hours. It, it finds out what it what it tells you is who really wants to be in the business, and who thinks they want to be in the business, but aren't necessarily willing to put up with all the crap that goes with it. And the hours. Now I'm in a good spot now. Um, I've got zero complaints. Uh, with my work schedule now, absolutely none. I'm going way back. I'm going back in my 20s and 30s, and I'm halfway into my 40s now. So uh, back when, just kidding, might be a tad older than that. Uh, so Jazz Summer League today at uh, 1.30 as they close up shop. They're facing the Sixers. You can see that ESPN3 NBA TV. I'm going to watch it. I've watched most of them. I haven't watched every single game, all games, like I do regular season. But there's been some assessments that he's been able to make. Azubuke has afforded himself well. See what they got there. I don't know what's going to happen with Whiteside as far as the backup center. What are they going to do there? They're going to put him in. Uh, but he's going. He's he's played well. Forrest they've signed. Um, Hughes has looked good. And, and then uh, we'll see about the uh, the young rookie, as uh, Rod Huntley would call him, a Butler, when uh, he gets going here. In October, uh, I think they're done with their roster. Maybe not. Maybe they'll have another move or two. We'll see. Probably not. Uh, some moves in the NBA. Marcus Smart, four years, $77 million bucks. Man, it's great to be an NBA player. Joel Embiid, whew, already on a $65 million deal, is now going to get $196 million for a player that you know. You know full well. We talk about Mike Conley not playing 82. Well, there is no way Embiid gets anywhere near 82. But he's a heck of a talent, so he can get away with it, I guess. They're willing to to deal with that. 
uh, baseball. Garrett Cole comes back for the Yanks after COVID, and he strikes out nine, and the Yankees beat the Angels two to one. Cole is two and one, or uh, what? No, two and one. That was the name of the uh, score of the game. He's eleven and six on the season. And the Yankees are charging, man. They're making a run. Giants and Dodgers continue to win. Chris Bryant, newly acquired from the Cubs, hitting two home runs, and Dodgers win. Dodgers' Andre Jackson, Utah pitcher, got in, pitched four innings. Great day for Utah baseball. C.J. Crone hit a walk-off home run to give the Rockies the win over the Padres. Padres slumping a little bit. And so uh, the Rockies have had 11 walk-off wins. And this month, Crone, he's batting 400, man. 18 for 45. There you go. He's had a one-year deal. So maybe that uh, he's got 20 home runs. Maybe he gets re-signed for the Rockies. And the Padres looking for pitching signed Jake Arrieta. He was struggling, man, because you Darvish went on the IL. Man, they're hurting for pitching. Cubs and uh, Cubs, uh, Cubs and Reds going to be playing the Field of Dreams ball game in the next what next uh, August. And Yak is telling me he's got some NBA news that he's going to share right now in three, in two, and in one. This comes from our listener Jason Moon sending this in a section ESPN report. I think Adrian Wojnarowski with the report saying that the Utah Jazz are expected to host the Dallas Mavericks Christmas night in the nightcap of the Christmas Day games. So. You'll have uh, Luka Doncic playing here in Salt Lake City Christmas evening. Christmas night. What's that? That might be an eight thirty our time. Normally, it? it's an eight thirty game. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have they have like four or five games Christmas Day. They usually right? go five games starting at ten a.m. our time, and then the nightcap usually at eight or eight thirty. That's a sign of respect. Jazz playing Christmas Day. At home, no less. If you're going to play, you might as well play at home, right? Yeah, you want to be home. I mean, eight thirty. You got young kids. If you're a jazz player, what are you going to be doing at that time of day? Right? And maybe they have a little shoot-around in the morning, I guess. Uh, and then you go on. You can go home. You could still have Christmas Day here, right? What day is Christmas on? It's on Saturday this year, is Saturday, it? yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Saturday night, Christmas night. Right? Got to go to church the next day. Still worth it. Still worth going to church the next day or worth jazz playing Christmas night? Both. <laughs> no, it's just the, the you're, you're right. The, the respect factor that's there. You get a home game, and obviously Luca, a huge draw with what he's done for I agree. Mavericks. I agree. But this yeah. just is, I think it's a tip of the cap for what they did this past year looking ahead to the coming season. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. Christmas Day, you know, it'll be cool. I wonder how much just the cool factor of Dwayne Wade being involved and Ryan Smith, young guy, cap backwards, uh, sort of the modern era of the Jazz being ushered in. Not that there was anything wrong with the other era because it was just fine the way it was. But now this one with Dwayne Wade always seems to be there on the front row. And if he's an owner, yeah, I would be too. Uh, And the Jazz are a really good team. We were teasing Gordon Monson. We had him on earlier, how he's picking the Jazz to win. He hasn't literally picked him. But he thinks that, hey, you know, they improved themselves. I think so. I'm excited for the season. Not really thinking in Jazz mode right now, but have no problem making that switch to getting into Jazz mode at any time of year. 
because they're that dominant in our community and they've got a really good team and they got an opportunity to better what they did last year. I think it's possible. We'll see what happens. All right, stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hey, guys. Oh, man, Jake Scott just did a segment with PK. I don't know if I'm just a little tired or waking up in my car, but that was the funniest segment ever. Keep it rolling. Good job. Hey, PK, this is uh, Mormon Guy 17 here. Um, the 17 was when I was 17 years old, 13 years ago. But we can just say it was uh, for Austin Collie's jersey number for the Colts. Okay. Feedback of the day brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Yeah, thanks for the feedback. Uh, before we get to that, I want to pay tribute to John Peace former longtime associated with the University of Utah, going back 60 years. He passed yesterday, uh, played for them, uh, coordinated for them, coached for them, coached in the NFL. And it's not like I was best friends with Coach Peace. Uh, I've interviewed him a number of times. We've had him on the show, sat alongside of him at various places where we've had him on. And he had a flair and a personality that everyone enjoyed. He was comfortable in his own skin, and he knew who he was. His football knowledge was unquestioned. that, That goes without saying, really, literally. I mean, he knew football from a defensive perspective as well as anybody that I've ever been around. That is something that's an absolute fact. But his personality was someone that you could warm up to, and he would warm up to you. And it's not like I like I said we were tight by any stretch, but having interviewed him, I don't know a few dozen times over the years, uh, really, really was an outstanding person. He passed. Congratulations on a great life for John Peace, and condolences to his family. Now, as far as the feedback goes, yeah, Jake Scott joined us yesterday. Yaki may want to cut the beginning of that because he had a little manifesto of something that he feel, felt like that you have to pay attention to because if you don't pay attention to it in another 10 years, you're going to be out of the business. And I didn't know where he was going. He surprised me. And where he went was making fun of the soccer manifesto, as you remember. And Jake Scott must have been listening to that that morning and he remembers Mr. Snickledorf, who will be back tomorrow driving the show like he normally does, talking about how, you know, he made a conscious decision. He was here to speak his piece without interrupting me, me rem- interrupting him. Yeah, I remember the thing with Jake is he heard it, but he actually came in shortly after that happened and said, hey, will you play that? And we actually played oh. it for him. So. <laughs> so, so he latched on to where if you don't jump aboard soccer, you're going to be out of the business in uh, at 10 years or so. And that has stuck with him. And then we had uh, Mormon 17. What did Mormon 17 say? I mean, I know what he said there, but what was... I said, who is Mormon 17? What did he say originally? Uh, it was a take from earlier on about the um, question of the day with the two quarterbacks, and he roots for everybody in the state. It's just oh, yeah, there you go. That's right, that's right, yeah. Rooting, we're talking about... Uh, you know you're hardcore in the rivalry if you're rooting for Zach Wilson to fail because he didn't go to Utah and he went to BYU, or you're rooting for Taysom Hill to fail because he went to BYU. And I said when I moved into this community in 1993, I had no idea the passion and the hatred that went back and forth. How could I? I had never lived in Utah, had 
no real connection to Utah. I'd just been the state a couple of times. And then I found out in the Tribune newsroom and the sports department, there were guys who went to the U who were rooting for Steve Young to fail because he played at BYU. And that really surprised me. I'm all for the rivalry, but once the guys go on, that doesn't really mean anything to me either way. They're on there making uh, money as a professional athlete. Good on them. Good for them. They've won. So I don't really care what they do going back and forth. But I found here that people tend to think that. And certainly uh, there was a lot of folks uh, that were sick and tired of all the Jimmer phenomena. He didn't make it big in the NBA. He did play in the NBA, but he made it big at the college level. And he was a great dude. And I root for all of them. Whether they succeed or not, it really doesn't matter, but I'd like to see them succeed, and so we'll see. Tyler Huntley, I think, is a great story, making the University uh, from U- making University of Utah's starting quarterback job and then going on and now with the Ravens trying to get the, the uh, number two job away from McSorley there behind Lamar Jackson. All right, as I said, DJ will be back tomorrow. We'll be in our usual roles. Thank goodness for that. Looking forward to his return. And right now, looking forward to Scotty and Hands. Join them. They're coming up next on 97.5, 12 the zone.